This is Jennifer Hale, and you're listening to the Five-ish Fangirls Podcast. And, um, I should go. The tangents this week continue all the way to episode, wait for it, 450 of the Five-ish Fangirls Podcast. And C.S. Lewis once said, you can never get a cup of tea large enough or a book long enough to suit me. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode. So glad you joined us. Let's start off like O'Derry from the virtual table and see who's joined us this week. This is Chrissy in Salt Lake City. This is Holly from Wisconsin. And this is Rachel in Indianapolis, Indiana. Hello, everyone. Hello. And oh, yes, you heard that right. 450. Hey, we're, we're halfway to the famous race in Florida that just took place or going on right now that got postponed yesterday because of the rain. Yeah. <laughs> the Daytona 500. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, been, had to get a sports ball reference in there somewhere. <laughs> I've been following, um, you know, just this one. My sports Twitter people and there and there's there's one who's like following the the Daytona and they're like not again. I'm like, oh, right. well, hey, at least they postponed it early enough yesterday morning. I'm just like that's smart instead of sitting there waiting yeah. for six waiting. hours and deciding, hey, we're gonna do this tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the people who would have showed up for it would have been very happy about no. About so yeah that's what you get when you have a a sport that races that goes outdoors but you don't use all weather tires <laughs> oh you can use all weather tires or, ha- or have rain tires so yeah, yeah. It's, you know what? Andy Carr, we've got they use they've got rain tires so the mm-hmm. Indianapolis 500 can happen Yep. If it's raining, so. Yeah. Well, and also, like, I, I don't know. I don't know much about racing. I, I, I know, I know enough, but it's like, okay, if you are, you know, you're, you're competing to be the best, and yeah, you could do it in the weather, but it kind of affects the way that you, you do, you do what mm-hmm. you're supposed to do. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you want everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just a, a, the weird irony that it's a you know that that NASCAR originally was based on racing like the car Moonshine. that you could just go get <laughs> off like uh-huh. well just they're stock cars so they they yes. started out racing the same yep. cars that the average person could go to a dealer and buy it, like the same Pontiac they're, uh, they're uh-huh. not, um, but they're not meant for the same conditions as. A car you could go buy at a dealership. So because the, the dealership cars, they like throw on all the bells and whistles to get you to buy them, but you know, stock cars, like, yeah, no, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know, but you know, let's everyone be safe, and we want everyone to want, want people to enjoy and have a good, clean competition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. All right. Well, let's do the news. So, award season. 
chugging Baptist, along. Glorious so the, Baptist. <laughs> the Baptists were yesterday hosted by David Tennant and oh, that opening Mark was Ruffalo. Um, yes. <laughs> and and I'm wondering if uh, Dame Judy Dench wasn't the one who babysat for Bark Ruffalo before with the issue with the uh, kitchen. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All I know is part of me just like I want to like join in the fun is it just the, the the but at the same time it's like I just feel like if you know I would have like moments of levity and laugh my took us off and then eventually mm-hmm. it would probably reach a point where I'm like Anna Georgia pour me a glass. I can't with these two. I'm, con- I'm convinced. That, you know, I know here in the United States they have them. I don't know about across the pond. But if they have the equivalent of like wine subscription boxes <sighs> that both the uh, Sheen and Tenet households are regular subscribers. So. Kind of have to be at that point. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, if I want to start expanding my uh, horizons when it comes to wine, I, I'll just I'll shoot off a tweet to both Georgia and Anna and be like, what are your suggestions? Please, <laughs> I, you. I do have a, sh- a husband that sometimes is a man-child. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, that does. Uh, I don't think anything really substantial uh, of, of like surprising happened, I think. So Oppenheimer won Best Film. Emma Stone was Best Actress. Best Actress report things. Uh, Killian Murphy won Lead Actor. Um, Nolan won Director. Poor Things won Makeup and Hair. Poor Things won Casa. Poor Things is slowly building steam. So mm-hmm. they potentially be looking at an upset but we do have one more award ceremony to go um so um no did rdj win a bafta at all he did so yep he did so uh and then michael j fox made an amazing appearance (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah so it was it was pretty much oppenheimer uh, poor things and the holdovers, uh, yep. with a little bit of zone of interest, uh, walking away with, uh, most of the awards. Boy and the Heron won animated film, so I, th- I think it's going to be a toss up between Spider Man Across the Spider Verse and The Boy and the Heron. Uh, which one's... again, The Boy and the Heron seems to be picking up steam, so. We shall see. No, is that a Studio if, Ghibli? Yes. The point here, and yes. Is, yeah. okay. is, that is That's our newest. Okay. Um, yep. Yep. Because so, there's Studio Ghibli, and they've had other directors and filmmakers do stuff, which, very, I mean, good, good, talented people, but, you know, then you have Miyazaki, and he's just in a. Yeah. Unbiased, mm-hmm. but he's in, a, he's in a, a class of his own, so. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean I would I really really think the not to tip my hand but I really think Boy in the Heron is going to get 
the animated Oscar, which I'm happy about, but then I'm also a little sad because any other year, Spider-Verse probably would have got it. But. Mm-hmm. But then again, who knows? Who knows indeed? That is true. That's why they have well, I was going to say that's, that's why they have the award ceremonies. Yes. <laughs> Yes, but we do have one more award ceremony with the SAG Awards, which are this coming Saturday, as we're recording this, the 24th. So, and then we have actually quite the gap between the SAG Awards and the Oscars. Last year, it was like breakneck, but yeah, really weren't they like a week apart? <laughs> yeah. I yeah, know. Yeah, it was, was, it was very, quick. But when, yeah, when, when we found, I found out when the Oscars actually were, I'm like, wait, that is... That's kind of late, but yeah. Oh well, just how it goes. Yep. Uh, so uh, there is that. Uh, we're keeping an eye on those awards. Uh, and then uh, speaking of Doctor Who, uh, yep. we don't have we don't we still don't have a date, but at least now we have a month. Yeah. The Disney Plus has let us know May. that D- Doctor Who is going to be returning this May. So, uh, which I get technically is still spring. Uh, <laughs> so, well, on where in May? Yeah. yeah. If, it, if it's if it, yeah. I mean, as far as the calendar is concerned, yeah. summer does summer- not officially begin until June. So. I mean, if it is, this is this is how I look at it. If it is before my birthday, it's still spring. If it's after my birthday, it's pretty much summer. Yeah. Which my birthday is the seventeenth, so kind of like almost right smack dab in the middle. So that's yeah. that's always been my my way of, of telling when when summer starts because after yeah. my birthday, I'm just like, uh, yeah. Especially when I was in school, I'm like, yeah, and I'm checked out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, we don't know that yet. We just know it's gonna be May. Uh, mm-hmm. In the words of Justin Timberlake. So, mm-hmm. uh, I guess you could circle May on your calendar. <laughs> yeah, just do that. You'll be circle the whole month and then circle. Then you're covered. And start dropping hints. Yeah. <laughs> Then you just kind of start narrowing it down, and you'll be fine. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. But if you need to uh, uh keep yourself uh, busy until then, um, our friends over at Pencil Tip Publishing have announced that they are going to be re-releasing all three volumes of the temporal log book series oh nice and we reviewed book number three if memory serves mm-hmm. yeah so uh these are all fan written stories sean yes <laughs> our good friend sean may appear mm-hmm. uh in the byline <laughs> so um but um and they have said that uh logbook three change lives will continue to um proceeds from that are they're gonna continue to donate to 
um, uh, a charity in the UK. Oh, so, good, cool, awesome. Um, and then um, volumes one and two, they will uh, donate five dollars to another charity. So, awesome. good cause, good cause. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the these editions are not any different than previous editions, other than they did do some editing, caught typos grammatical errors that sort of thing uh but they pretty much should be exactly the same okay well that's good to know yep um and then marvel gave us a nice valentine's day present with uh a date and casting announcement for the fantastic four movie (laughs) so uh, our Fantastic Four will be hitting theaters uh, July of next year. Uh, and we have uh, Pedro Pascal, who I know, other than John Krasinski, he was the other fan favorite to play Mr. Fantastic. Uh, Vanessa Kirby, who we all know from The Crown, will mm-hmm. be playing Sue Storm. Um, Eben Moss Bacharach. Hope I'm saying that right. He will be playing the thing, Ben. Um, and then Joseph Quinn of Stranger Things uh, is gonna be playing Johnny Storm. That was exciting. Nice. I, I knew I knew the, the Pedro Pascal rumor, I guess, was kind of floating around quite a bit. And um and you know, there were there was there was some discussion of that going back and forth. So, but then I was very, I was very happy to see that to, to see Joseph Quinn because Eddie Munson is is lovely, uh-huh. and yes. he, mm-hmm. an actor is a lovely person too. And so I hope, yeah, I hope this, I hope this one goes well. I mean, it's been a while. Um, I mean, there was there was a time when we were like, like the first Fantastic Four movie they did way back when when uh, Chris Evans was the Human Torch. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that was a fun one, but I I don't know like how. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was kind of mixed. And then mm-hmm. they really haven't had a good, solid outing with the Fantastic Four yeah. in the movies. I know, so, I know that the the one with uh, Michael B. Jordan, they tried to make it a bit more serious. And, uh, yeah. and, but it's like. went over like a, like a wet fart in church. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I, if I, I had my choice between I mean, that th- one this, and. Chris Evans' Fantastic Four. I'm going Chris Evans' Fantastic Four. Those yeah, two versus they were they were still even then. The Fantastic Four, those movies were sort of getting the treatment of the kind of more comic booky, right? Very but colorful, fun. silly treatments. Yeah. Like, and- this is this is the other thing is is the uh, the Michael B Jordan one that one it was clearly just Fox trying to keep the rights from yes. reverting back to it was it's a lot like what Sony has been doing with with Spider Man adjacent characters. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But but one thing I have heard that is a positive thing is is the the little announcement that they had it was like a Valentine's Day card. And it was all bright and colorful and kind of that futuristic retro sort of look. Mm-hmm. And people are people who are 
big comic book fans who are big into Fantastic Four, you know, back when they were the, the you know, the, the it thing. Mm-hmm. Got confused with the thing. Um, and they were like, yeah, this actually looks good because they're going to be in the 60s. It, it seems like, you know, if that's what they're going to do, um, that's the, the proper setting for them. And it's going to make more sense than trying to make them um, modern, quote unquote, modern day. So it's like, if they go that route, it's, uh, I hope, I hope that's what they do because I, I would, I would like the Fantastic Four to, to be, to be successful because they're sort of, what do they call them? The first family of, they're, of they're, Mar- they're Marvel's first mm-hmm. family. I mean, the, the, yes. when Stanley, had reached you know his point where he was just wanting to give up yep. the comic book business and he's like i'm just gonna hang it up and go off and do whatever and his wife was all like well if you're gonna quit you might as well as a last hurrah do whatever the hell you want and that's what he decided to do was he had this idea for the this family uh the, the fantastic four so that's what he wrote and it got released, and it ended up being very successful, and kept it's Stanley funny. in the comic book business. So it's funny when you think about it, because you know he's trying to do what the industry, quote unquote, wants him to do, and it's just not working, not working, not working. Then he finally does whatever, and that's what. So, so there is something to be said for doing your passion project, even though all all logic tells you not to. Mm-hmm. And it ends up being a hit anyway. So you know what? If you've got that passion project in you, and you really just want to do it, and you're not, I mean, you're not quite sure, just do it and see what happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, it may work, it may not, but I, I just, I kind of take heart from that. But this is the other thing: is Fantastic Four, you know, Marvel. Okay, Marvel's big, big sellers back in the day were Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, and X-Men. Mm-hmm. And not coincidentally, those are the ones, those are the franchises that they sold the movie rights to before MCU, Marvel Studios became a huge thing. It's like mm-hmm. Iron Man, etc. Those were like their C, D, E tier. Yeah, those are second, yeah. third string. That's just like, oh crap, what do we have left? Um, so, for, so for Fantastic Four to finally, hopefully, be back in good hands, although it seems like um, the uh, 5D and company may be taking a, taking a, a stock, a, a deep breath, and they're taking stock of what they have and what they ought to be doing, and maybe cooling their jets on a few of their few of their their output. I really hope, I really hope Fantastic Four does well. I really do. If not necessarily for myself, if you know, for the for the people like my husband who are big, we're big Marvel comics fans back in the day, and I think they deserve to see something. A faithful adaptation. Not that the was that twenty or no two thousand five. When did I don't even remember when that one when the Chris Evans one came out. Not that that one wasn't fun. It's early two thousands. Yeah, early two thousands, and the, and the Silver Surfer one was, eh, but it, it was it was kind of it, it wasn't bad. It was more mediocre, I guess, yeah. than by those those standards. So I, I would like to see it well, well done. So the teaser. There is hope there, but I, I do I do want to see. I mean, obviously it doesn't come out till next year, but but there, mm-hmm. there, it seems it seems like a step in the right direction. So I will give them that. Mm-hmm. 
And, and, that, and what, that's what I've been hearing from other comic book people who were like, yeah. oh, it looks good. This, 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 this looks like it, there's promise here. Yeah. Well, as I as I've 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 said when with uh uh when it comes to the MCU, um, with certain characters, it seems like third times a charm. I <laughs> hope so. uh, <laughs> We went through two Bruce Banners before getting Ruffalo. Yeah. You know, we're tech we're technically on our third Spider Man with Tom Holland, so. Why not a third go round with the Fantastic Four? So let's let's hope. I mean, I mean, for a while, Fantastic Four fans were like, "Well, the best Fantastic Four movie we're ever going to get is The Incredibles," and I'm like, I can't argue with that. But we'll yeah. see. What, we'll see how this one goes. Yeah. All I'm saying, my personal opinion, is let's get kind of like with Spider Man. We don't need to rehash the same stuff oh. again. Let's have whoever the villain is be someone other than Dr. Doom, please. We do not need another Doom. <laughs> Save him for down the road or something like what they did with, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home, where they brought in, you know, the Green Goblin from another universe. Well, you know? this is the kind of thing, if they want to, um, and I and I would uh, and I and I'm kind of I'm kind of talking out of my butt here, so for, so forgive me for my ignorance of the lore. But I'm like, well, what if you'd save Doctor Doom for kind of a not like a Thanos-ish mm -hmm. sort of thing? Like he's waiting, he's waiting in the wings for the big. I don't know the big the big show. I mean, he's a I mean he's a exactly. good, bad guy, but it's like we've been there, done that, especially sure. since after we've had Thanos. You really can't go bigger okay, well maybe, than that unless right. we go to like Galactus or somebody like that. So right. but, I mean, it's like him like you did Thanos. I'm not saying make him the next Thanos. Yes. Like, you know, yeah. Build him up a little more. Yeah. I mean, Kang was supposed to, you know, obviously Kang was supposed to be our next big one. Well, that's, that, that, that that's. Yeah, you know, got its that, own thing. Um, so. Back to the drawing board for a little bit, and then come back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just like, you know, we could either do a smaller villain for the Fantastic Four, but just not Doctor Doom, please. But I, I would, again, I would have to do some research. Like, what are some other Fantastic Four villains? And any of our listeners. Who are familiar with with these characters and the comics lore and whatever? Send yeah. us, mm -hmm. drop us a line and like yes. tell us like who you would like to see as a villain. I mean, I know Silver Surfer's in there, but he's sort of he's more of an antagonist, less an actual villain. Yeah. So it's it's a little bit, a little bit Martian Manhunter in that regard. So yeah. I don't know. I would I, I would like to hear people's thoughts on the on what what sort what they could do with with this. Just like, yeah. what are you hoping for? Or what yeah. do you think they could do? Yeah. Well, and uh, again, while we're waiting for that next year, um, thankfully, we're getting, finally, uh, seems like forever since they announced this, the X-Men 97, the continuation of the cartoon 
arrives March 20th on Disney Plus. So we got a nice trailer with yes. the theme music. They've done a really good job of capturing the animation style. So I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> so. I, I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it looks good. It sounds good. Yeah, I, that's what I've been hearing. Like, it looks like a duck. It quacks like a duck. <laughs> right, yeah. That's what I've been hearing. Is it a duck? Who grew yeah. up with the show. And, and I'm going to be honest, I didn't grow up with the show because it was on a channel that you had to, like, like Jupiter had to be just properly aligned with the asteroids for me to hit that <laughs> channel or something. Because we just, it, it was only, it, it only came in in clear once in the blue moon. So I really didn't ever watch the X-Men animated series, although I, I I do understand it is held in high regard by a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. X-Men Evolution was the one I really got into because by then we had cable and we uh -huh. could get everything. Um, and I really like that one, but I, I've been I've been kind of trying to watch the the X-Men animated series here and there when I have time. And um, I, I kind of, I really dig Rogue. Rogue is really cool character, very different from the one that we got in the movies, and now I understand mm -hmm. why people were not terribly happy with her. Um, and Gambit, oh god, yes. I, I really like him. He's he's, mm -hmm. he's lovely, and I'm really sad that, that, that he didn't work out in, in the movies. Just that, that drawl of his from being in Louisiana. Louisiana, some, yeah. Just something about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, I like you. You're awesome. You're fantastic. So I I hope I hope this is good. I I have heard everything from "Holy crap, it's amazing! It's gonna be awesome!" to "Please don't suck." Yeah, <laughs> don't mess up my childhood. Yeah. yeah. So we will we will see. Um, although I have from the from the showrunner, um, I've heard I've heard good things about him. That he's made good comments about the um, the way that he wants to run the well run the show obviously and, and who he has in there so i will uh we'll see so mm -hmm. i hope it i i hope it goes well yep check it out when it's when it comes around mm -hmm. about a month mm -hmm. so yay who is set for the news. We do have some feedback from Shalane. She says, about time we get to this se this season of Marvel What If. I was patient since the holiday break ended. <laughs> so I appreciate your patience, Shalane. Yeah. Best. yeah. Let's first talk about the trailers that dropped during the Super Bowl. The rumors are true that they dropped the trailer for the upcoming Wicked movie. I got chills during the trailer. It looks amazing and I'm excited. This girl I told you about from the Frozen episode who was obsessed with Frozen and Wicked also wouldn't be my friend in college is, is probably upset at the casting of Glinda and Elphaba because I think she hates Ariana Grande. <laughs> but a better friend loves Ariana Grande and he's excited for this movie because he's a musical nerd. So he's the winner of Best People Who Became My Friends in College. <laughs> and that you get, that's that's what you get, you frozen and wicked obsessed girl for not being my friend in college and won't let me into your Disney club. That's good, Shalane. Don't, 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 you don't want to be friends with haters. No, you don't. <laughs> no. no, you do not. 
I'm excited for both Moana and Wicked. Me and my other friends might plan to go see them together. The Rock's coming back from Maui, and the same with Aoi for Moana. I didn't know Disney was going to do animation films this year after some of their origin originals. The story hit and missed in movie theaters, but so good. I thought they needed a break this year, but I was surprised. Stay safe for joy that they announced a sequel for Moana because she's my third favorite Disney princess. I'm excited for the Taylor Swift concert coming to Disney Plus because I missed her concert. I have my ups and downs with Taylor Swift, but after awesome concert, I've decided to give her another chance. Plus, I did enjoy the Percy Jackson TV series, and it was great. I've heard good things about the Percy Jackson mm-hmm. TV yes. series. Well, the fan, the really fans good. are happy with, with this iteration, as I understand. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Speaking of sequels, yeah. Speaking of sequels, it should have ended with their third one. I thought Kung Fu Panda 3 had a, per- had a perfect ending. Then they decided to come back with a fourth, and Kung Fu Panda is done by DreamWorks. Yeah. I don't know why we need another. I haven't seen beyond the first one. So. <laughs> the first one is really good. I really like that first one. I haven't seen anything else. Yeah. Because I just haven't. And um, yeah, it's. Yeah. Money, dear boy. Yeah. Now let's go to Marvel What If. I love the Christmas episode where they mentioned a Christmas story. The actor who played Ralphie was an Iron Man Spider-Man Far From Home. He was also in the movie that John Favreau directed. It was a Christmas movie. Sorry, Rachel, I forgot you hate a Christmas story. That's okay. Just because I don't like something doesn't mean it can't be mentioned. It's not like Voldemort where you have to be like, you know, he who must not be named. Uh <laughs> Heck, I still, I still say I, I enjoyed Lawrence of Arabia, and I know that Rachel hates that movie. Mm. Glad we finally got the Gamora and Tony Stark story. I did like Shakespeare star, starring the Avengers episode. I want to cosplay a Scarlet Witch Shakespeare outfit, yeah. Shakespeare era. Scarlet Witch. Yeah, you could, I probably, we're probably likely to see some people uh cosplay from yeah you know, 1600 avengers so <laughs> that shalane's feedback so thank you for your yes. feedback as always shalane thank you oh uh so moving on to this week's main topic we figured for 450 episodes that we would go back to our roots in a way uh because holly and i kind of had this idea when we were talking about the crown so Mm -hmm. um we're going to talk about books but specifically we're going to offer up some recommendations based on stuff that we have uh consumed Mm -hmm air quotes recently mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, yeah, i may have gone overboard but i've i've actually been reading a lot of fun stuff uh, chrissy is literally surrounded by books on a daily basis so, yeah right? and you're kind of paid to read for your at least part of your job so job? yeah yes i don't get to read on the clock but i do need to know well you get do story time that's yeah, kind yeah. of reading on the clock the clock yeah <laughs> That that is my one and only because I can be on the desk and like okay I'm planning my story time for next week you know what yeah. books or, you know what's our theme what books are we gonna do I have available which ones do I want to do or you know maybe here's something new that I haven't done before so I'll read it so yes 
that's about the only <laughs> on the clock reading I can actually do is like, I'm getting ready for story time. We read some picture books. And to be fair, and I did talk the girl's ear off about uh, a, a few, well, one picture book that I really, really like, but that's also because I'm on the uh, picture book committee for the Beehive Book Awards, which is Utah's um, award for kids, uh, uh, kids books, well, kids and teen books. And uh, next, so I'm on the committee that chooses the nominees for next year, which starts up in September. But anyway, so I was, I was gushing about one of those that was nominated. But anyway. Yeah. Well, considering your list is longest, Chrissy, we should probably yeah. start with uh, yeah. maybe a couple of yours and then we can yeah. bounce around. So, Well, I mean, I kind of I kind of um, split them up sort of into categories. I mean, I, I read a lot of oh, what did I just do. I was on the thing and my iPad just went funny. I read. Well, and I say I read. I do a lot of audiobooks because. Uh, like you said, like I said, I, 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 I'm surrounded by books and I, mm -hmm. uh, but I don't actually get to read while I'm on the job. And plus I have two little kids and I actually do, I have a fairly hefty commute to my job. So audiobooks are my best friends. And, um, and again, here's a plug for your local library. If your library has access to Libby or Hoopla also can, um, I mean, there's different there's different um, services that Hoopla does. It just depends on what your library subscribes to. I know my library doesn't do audiobooks because it was costing us way too much money because people they, they charge per download and Ooh. it was very popular. And I'm like, but if we have a service, don't we want people to use it? But we don't want them to use it too much because it costs us more money. It was a mess. So anyway, so but if you are one of the lucky ones that has Hoopla and Libby access to audiobooks good on you um mm -hmm. but i will so one audiobook i recently listened to i guess i'll start with my non-fiction since it's up here at the top um is mel brooks's memoir autobiography called all about me and i found it on libby and i was it had a very low a very short hold list so i waited for it and i listened to it and mel brooks mel brooks reads or, you know, as the narrator, and I mean, I I haven't I haven't got I haven't gone out of my way to find the print version, but I get the feeling that I got more out of it by listening to him to read the audiobook than I would mm -hmm. have if I just read it. Because there's certain there are certain I mean I've read like the memoirs of you know celebrities, famous people, especially comedians, and I go mm -hmm. in I'm like, oh, this is gonna be so fun and this is gonna be hilarious, and like just reading it doesn't quite do it but um listening to listening to him tell the stories it's like yeah this this feels like you're sitting with him and he's telling uh -huh. you all of these fantastic these life stories how he got into show business um where he got his start and all the different and the, and the chapters are sort of divided up into like when, once once he gets past like his childhood and when he was serving in the war and some of that early stuff then it's divided into divided by like the shows he did then the movie so each movie has its own chapter that he talks about nice. when he's the uh the um producing movies through brooks films um so those are like some movies that from other people or movies that weren't necessarily comedies 
and those kinds of things. So, and then every, like every chapter that they would talk about, I was like, I want to go back and, li- and rewatch that movie. I want to go. I need to go watch Blazing Saddles again or Spaceballs or mm-hmm. I actually did find History of the World Part One free on YouTube with ads, but hey, it's free. Uh-huh. Um, and that one was that one was such a hoot. I. I don't know how I never watched that one, but oh my gosh, I I, I died over the Spanish Inquisition music. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's Mel Brooks, obviously, but holy mm-hmm. cow! Just the the man the man is a treasure, and and I knew he had been married to Anne Bancroft. Um, but what I adored about that is like he talks about her. It is so sweet and so cute and just so tender, even though you know she she passed away in two thousand five, and and now and he's reading this because this this he wrote this book you know when the pandemic was going on and there wasn't anything else for anybody to do, so he wrote a book, and um, so you know he's 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 well into his nineties at this point, mm-hmm. and and she's been gone for so long, and he's like. You know, he even mentions, like, people ask why I never got remarried. He's like, well, when you've been married to Anne Bancroft, I kind of like, where do you, where do you go from there? And it's just, Mm -hmm. he talks about their relationship. It is so, it is beautiful. It is so good. But then, and then he talks about just all, all of the, all the craziness of, of the movies and how he gets his ideas. And it was just, you know, he talked about when they made High Anxiety and, and it was just the hot, you know, um, Alfred Hitchcock was it, like he like like he asked permission to of, of of the man himself to parody Alfred Hitchcock and Hitchcock was like oh yes this would be a, you know this is this is a great mm-hmm. uh, honor to be parodied by Mel Brooks like having Mel uh, having Mel Brooks ask if he can lampoon something of yours is equivalent to Weird Al asking yes. exactly to do a parody and most you people are like oh my it. god it's an honor please yeah. <laughs> just, he was just nothing but complimentary about it so he talked about that and that they were good friends and it's it's a really it's it's a great and then, then he talks about the, the, the process of making the producers into a musical um, but I will say and, um, I mean, and I and I laughed throughout the audiobook. I'm not saying I did not, but I think my favorite, my biggest laugh through this was when he's telling a story about when he was a kid, and his, uh, so you know, he his his dad died when he was very very young, so like, he never really knew his his father. So his mom was was raising her boys. You know, as a single mom, so so you know, he's he's home one day. And with his, with uh, at least one of his brothers, and his mom is out, uh, you know, some doing something, and he really has to go to the bathroom. <laughs> but there's only one bathroom in the house, and his his older brother is there, and he's not, you know, he he is not vacating the premises because he's <laughs> in the middle of something. So so young Mel, young Melvin, he's like the, the, the this this new this new apartment where they live. Has has a window, but he's up on a higher floor, and um, and so he thinks, oh, well, this will work. So he starts peeing out the window, but he forgets <laughs> that the window is faces the street. This isn't the window Uh-oh. in their old place that faced the back and like the back alley, and he's like singing 
like, uh, you know, oh, what a beautiful... He's singing, I, I don't think it's, oh, what a beautiful morning, but it's a song on that thing. And then here comes his mom with uh -oh. all of her friends, and one of them says, Kitty, I think that's your window. <laughs> and then she runs in, and, you know, they, they realize what, what's going on, and she, like, beats the crap out of him for, for doing that. And he's like, and I just, I just died laughing. Because it, I don't know if it's just the situation or the way he told the story or anything like that, but I'm driving and I'm actually, I was actually on my way to pick up my kids and I'm like just tears running down my face while he's telling the story. And I can tell while he's telling the story, wherever he is, you know, whenever he was recording it, he's like trying not to die of laughter at the same time. Just like, oh my gosh. So I'm like, yeah, you know. There you go. So that was that was the story I laughed the hardest at. Not that I didn't laugh at any other points in the in the book because there are some really funny moments. But I guess it's just because I'm a mom and I got kids. And anytime you have kids, and one of them's a boy, and one of them's a yeah. boy, and you're like, yeah, <laughs> that's just a boy thing. And unfortunately, they do not grow out of that. No, they do not. No, I, I know. Just I, because they have the ability to go to the bathroom. Uh -huh. pretty much everywhere they think it's their right to just go to the bathroom anywhere yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it does. so anyway so yeah so that one that one cracked me up and you know but anyway but no the whole the whole book is great if you can get the audiobook it's absolutely worth it and it will definitely make you want to go on a mel brooks movie uh binge i have that i have that on my to be read list on some app and uh, that, that may i think you may convince me to move it towards to the top <laughs> so although, although and there, there were other moments where i was like i was like when i'm at work and i'm doing something that i'm like okay i can listen to an audiobook while i do on this task and then i just have to stop and just start giggling and yeah. And, you know, sometimes people would be like, what are you laughing at? I'm like, I'm listening to Mel Brooks' autobiography. And they're like, oh, okay. Carry yeah. on. Then. <laughs> uh -huh. Okay, so that's that's my that's my audiobook nonfiction. And the other nonfiction I put on here uh, is actually, uh, I re actually read the physical book. So, yay me, it wasn't just an e-book. Um, so, I kind of have this weird, well, I don't want to say it's weird, a weird fascination, but I have an interest in... Uh, in ships and you know maritime history um and i watch a lot of youtube channels about different ships and shipping and you know disasters because that's what everybody talks about sadly but um so this one book that i found i was actually it's actually a newer book I, I was putting it away on our new arrivals display and it caught my eye because i'd never heard of this one before um, it is called Torpedoed, the true story of the World War II sinking of the children's ship. So and it's by uh, Deborah he Heiligman, I believe. I, 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 I apologize if I'm not pronouncing it properly. Um, but it is the story of, um, so hold on, I've got to get, I've got to get the ship's name right because i have it on here okay so it is oh yeah this ss city of benares and this is a ship that was evacuating kids out of england during world war ii during the blitz and um and this this ship was torpedoed by a german u-boat who didn't realize 
because because in the well, it goes into it in the book like why why they would have thought it wasn't it was you know it wasn't a civilian ship or or you know it was a a legitimate wartime target. Mm-hmm. But this this ship primarily was getting kids out of of England out of London and some went to the countryside but a lot of these kids were going to US or to Canada um and so it goes through like there and then there were kids that were and then there was also a, a passenger ship so there were families that were just leaving cuz they they just bought tickets as passengers and left and then there were the ones who were enrolled in the program to get them out um so that they were they so they weren't necessarily you know paying like pat like like passengers on the ship so um so it it reads and and it's it's classified as a kids nonfiction because that's where i found it um so it's but i would i would like give it to your you know older middle grade readers i I mean but i mean it reads like a novel even though it is definitely nonfiction. um but it's just sad and it's i mean i go from i go from talking about laughing at mel brooks and and his and his humor, and then I'd go to talking about a ship that was carrying kids in World War Two and was sunk by a German U-boat. But I mean, if you're interested in that type of history or you know stories that, and yes, it's World War Two, and there are so many books written about several like all kinds of aspects of World War Two, mm-hmm. and it feels like we're 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 you know up to our eyeballs in them. But this is one I had not heard about, and I had not heard, or I, I had not. Um, watched i don't think any of the youtube the youtube channels that i watch ever covered this one but it was fascinating and sad and yes i definitely needed to listen to mel brooks after i read it but if it's if this is a a, an area of history that interests you or you have any kind of um you know if 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 you like if, if you like reading that kind of stuff then definitely um definitely check it out it's 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 very well done very well researched um there are some some pictures like i said it it's one of those sort of reads like a novel history nonfiction sort of things but it's well researched and you get to know the the kids that were on the ship i mean the the bio, the you know she she treats it like a biography of these children and the other people that were there taking care of them um so yeah so I recommend that one. Uh, it is, you know, it is, it is, I, I, you know, it is not for the faint of heart. I will say that, but mm-hmm. make sure that you're good with that. So I read that one, and I almost submitted it to the nonfiction committee, but I forgot. <laughs> so, but they might, have, they may have pulled it up anyway. And then, what else should I? Okay. I'll just go over really quickly. I've been reading a lot of manga, light novels, and uh, well, and also one that's a, I believe it's it's pronounced Mon- Monhoa. It's Korean graphic novel. Um, it's called, there's one that's called the, it's, it's called The Abandoned Empress. I believe it was originally on one of those sort of webcomic websites. You like, like web, I don't know if it was Webtoon or one of the other ones. Um, but it is, so there's a lot, so this one is, it starts out with this girl, you know, it's in a fantasy kingdom sort of a thing. She is betrothed to, well, no, at this point she's married to the emperor. They're, and they're very young because that's just how it was. And she's mm-hmm. only married to the guy because there was a prophecy that she was going to change the world or change, or, you know, by marrying the emperor, 
she was going to, to do something incredible. She had no idea what that was. And they don't really like each other, but they're married anyway. And then all of a sudden, some a girl from our world isekais into the into the fantasy world. And for those who do who are who, who need to know, isekai is a Japanese word meaning from another world, but it's kind of become a genre of people from present day um, ending up in fantasy realms. And I mean, the, the trope has been around forever, but there's been a lot of a lot of them in recent years. Anyway, so the girl, the, the and she's from Korea, um, and the, the the Korean girl falls in love with the emperor. He falls in love with her, and all of a sudden, this the emperor or the empress, she's just left out in the cold, and the emperor kind of finds a reason to execute her. That's all in book one, and then she uh, so she dies. And comes back and is given another chance. So she's sent back to her world as a 10-year-old, but with all of her memories of her previous life intact. And now she's trying to avoid being um, executed for not being the actual girl from the prophecy. Because it was supposed to be this other girl, even though people kind of screwed her over. So it's very interesting and that you know all the choices that she makes that are different. Because now she realizes, oh, I need to you know, actually take some initiative and, mm. and, uh, control, control my destiny as it were. And, and she does, but then things start to happen that happened in her previous life where she, where she was executed. So I'm like on to book three of it. There's seven out so far. It's really good. And, and I'm enjoying it. So that's a really good one. It's called the abandoned empress and the, uh, the author, Usually go by like sort of a pen name. It's it's Ina I N A, so that's not hard to find. And then uh, these next two are are Japanese manga. One is actually also a light novel, as well. So there's Yona of the Dawn by Mizuho Kusanagi, and this one um, there's is she's a she's a princess. She is going to marry a guy, and then she also has her her bodyguard, but then her her betrothed is like he gets impatient so he actually has her father killed and so he can become king and and she's like no you can't kill him how dare like how, why did you do that so he's gonna you know imprison her well then the bodyguard um saves her get and they're on the run and they you know have to find warriors to uh help her retake her father's kingdom and they're at a it, it's reminding me a lot of Fushigi Yugi, just without the whole, you know, person from a, from our present day. But the but the whole, you know, we got to find our find our 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 uh, magical warriors who are going to save the kingdom. That 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 elements in play. And then and I just started reading it. There's like almost forty volumes of this, so I've got a while to go. I think it's still ongoing, but I'm enjoying it so far. <clears throat> and then another one I'm reading is called My Happy Marriage by Akumi Ag Agitoki. I, I'm sure I'm butchering the pronunciation, but I'm trying, man. Um, this one, I believe, also has an anime, and it's on Netflix. I've not watched it, but there are there's a live-action version from Japan, which I've seen on YouTube. So, so there are various ways, but this one is a manga and a light novel. So this one is... Uh, it takes place in the magical version of uh, one of the historical time periods of Japan. 
uh, I think it's, I can't remember what it's called. Um, I'd have to look it up. Um, but, but basically it's sort of, it's not quite the, it's not really the Meiji where like Western influence was starting to come into, to Japan. I think it's a little further down, but I could be wrong on that. But, uh, but there, but the point is there is Western influence in this place along with traditional Japanese culture. And, but in this world, they're, they're, all the noble families have magic. And so they arrange marriages with their children based on what the different magical talents are. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, to make the strongest bloodline, you know, that kind of thing. So, so before the main character is even born, her parent, like her dad was in love with another lady, but his parents did not approve. So they forced him to instead marry marry this other woman and they had and they got married had a baby that's our main character well at first it seems like she does not have any magic well her mother dies um of an illness although it's hinted at that it's a little bit more complicated than that but we don't know the details yet and so then he goes off and marries the woman he wanted to marry and they have a daughter and she's got magic, and they treat the older sister like crap because she's the daughter of the woman he didn't want to marry. It's very Cinderella. Mm. Well, well then, so there's this other young lordling of a very prominent family who everybody wants to wants to to match their daughters with, and he has tried to propose to these other girls, and they've always rejected him after a day or so for reasons unknown, and it it kind of gets out that he's cruel he's awful he's a terrible person so this family just like well we're just gonna sell our one daughter to him and just get her out of here we don't want her well they turn it turns out that they start to fall in love with each other and they you know and she's she's you know obviously been abused treated very poorly but then all of a sudden she's in this household that's like well you you know you you know you might marry our our lord so we're gonna treat you well, and then they realize, like, oh my goodness, like your family has treated you so badly, and this is not a good thing. This is, you know, this is very taboo, <laughs> and and you know they should be punished for this. In fact, the point, like, like you know, they they finally see her out and about with him, and they're like, no, why is she so happy? Why is you know she looks better? Her health is better. She looks like she's. You know, this is a good thing. We don't want her to be happy, and she needs to. You know, the 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 other the, our other daughter should marry this lord. So they kidnap the, the the first daughter, and try to force the the lord to marry the younger daughter, and it just blows up in their face. And it's so satisfying when they get their comeuppance. It is just like, oh, if you if you read your if you ever read fiction where where there's where there's a main character where their family treats them like absolute shite. And you, and you just, you, you see it and you're just like, oh my gosh, you just need, these people just need to get thrown out of an airlock. This, <laughs> I mean, maybe not in so many words, but it happens here. And I'm like, yes, awesome. That's, that's like book, well, that's like the first three books, although the light novel covers it in book one. Um, so so that's awesome. But then there is more, then there, there, there's more shenanigans going on because yes, our main character, she actually does have magic and, and her, her mother's family, you know, kind of didn't tell the whole truth about their, what their magic entails. Um, because it's actually quite dangerous. And I'm still getting to the point where, um, that, 
where those details are explained. So anyway, My Happy Marriage uh, by Akumi Akitogi. The, 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 the love story is beautiful and lovely and wonderful. And it's these two people who are, you know, kind of damaged in their in different ways. But they, they grow to love each other. And it's so cute because his servants and his sister at the same time, um, they come to just love our main character and want what's best for her. In fact, the, the sister, I mean, and this is a convention in in Japanese um, culture, but they, the sister starts calling her little sister. And I'm like, oh, she just needs somebody. She just mm-hmm. needs somebody to care about her. And it makes me happy. So anyway, so that's a good one. I I definitely want to check out the anime and or the live action versions when I can. Um, that's going to be a trick. But anyway, so far I'm enjoying it. So if you are into graphic novels or uh, web comics or anything like that, those are my recommendations. And I have more, but I'm going to let someone else do a little bit of talking. So who, uh, yeah, someone jump in here. Um. I can, I'll hop in with one of mine. Um, I'm going to do my historical fiction story, which is at the bottom of the list. It's called Uprising by Margaret Peterson Haddix. Mm-hmm. And that is a true story, historical. It's based off the Triangle Factory shirtwaist fire of the early 1900s, and it follows the story of. Three girls, two immigrants, Bella, Yetta, and then Jane, who is a native of New York and high society, and mm-hmm. how their lives all kind of intertwine and how certain things lead to the tragic with the with the girls being in the factory, because we find out that at the end of the story, only one of the three winds up surviving. <laughs> Yes. That so is I don't want to part with these historical yes. or historical fiction. It's like, I mean, you know, you know, in your head, it's like, oh, yeah, people <laughs> died during this tragedy, but you don't want it to be the people, the characters that you like really love. But mm, right. you know, the chance of that happening. It's, yeah, it's a gut punch, mm-hmm. but you're like, it's, yeah. it's realistic. Mm-hmm. My my students are reading it right now and they, they're absolutely enjoying it. My mom's even read it. She's just like. It's good. I, she she thinks she might have read it before, but she's not one hundred percent sure or something very similar. So, but it's yeah. it's a good short. It's a three hundred page read, but it's it's really good. Mm-hmm. So, and if you want to, I mean, it being historical fiction, you know, based on there's based on true events. Uh, yeah, you know, if there's yeah, a lot. Yeah, because I, 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 I even factory fire. Yeah, yeah, I would say even now I don't know how many people know about the Triangle Shirtwaist factory incident and just how like that horrible strong. it was. Yeah, and how for everything with like yeah safety and, procedures. Yeah, and yeah all we're talking that. about yeah. like yeah worker safety and yeah inhumane working conditions. Oh, it's one of yes. the absolute yeah. worst. Yeah. examples of this is how you don't run a business unless you don't have a soul uh <laughs> there's, there's a couple documentaries about the fire and yeah. the one that i've enjoyed the most um hbo actually did one i believe it was called spark and that okay. was the better of the two the pbs one 
was good, but that focused more on like the, because also this was during the time when the women's suffrage vote was going on as well. So you had that and then the strike protests for the ladies for better pay, better working conditions. That mm-hmm. was all right, but the HBO one actually interviewed some relatives, great, great relatives of some of the people that either didn't make it or made it out. So it was kind of interesting to mm-hmm. hear their side. This, this did sound familiar, but I guess I, the I Survive series, there is not one on this one. I thought there, I thought there might be, but I don't, it's not there. Not saying it won't happen because she seems right. To write about all kinds of even obscure, yeah, famous and obscure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, yes, that's wild. Yes, and the next one, I think, Rachel, you want to join me on this one because I this one we both, both read. It's on both our lists. Yeah, yeah. And the, just the, like Chrissy was saying. You get a bit more listening to the audiobook version yes. as opposed to reading that the you do book. that you do yes because that I, is definitely the case for this particular book <laughs> yes because I read it through by myself and then I'm just like I picked up the audiobook because they had a free audible credit and I'm just like and I sat and re-listened to it and there's just something about Patrick Stewart mm-hmm. telling these tales that is just I mean it gives new meaning to the Beatles song "Baby, You Can Drive My Car." Yeah, yeah. This is this is this is yeah. Sir Patrick Stewart's memoir. Stewart. Yes, make it. Yeah, making it so, which so, he yeah. finished uh, last year, actually. So mm-hmm. this is this is this is uh, very new. Um, yeah. and uh, it it's uh, the story of of his life. Yeah. Um, oh. and the thing Burst is, you know, laughing, uh, cheers. You, I mean, you're gonna laugh. You're gonna cry you know he's been the the, serendipity of all the stuff that he's actually lucked into was just like holy freaking cowboy yeah (laughs) yeah you know it's uh you know and he thankfully um you know you know some celebrities they like to keep things something's private which is totally understandable and Mm -hmm. then you know there's some celebrities that i think try to make themselves look better than they actually are Mm-hmm. Sir Patrick does not do that. He absolutely no. recognizes where he has done Air. wrong, like yep. cheating on his wife and then exactly. cheating on yes. his second wife. Right. Uh, you know, and uh, you know he's he's not made some not so good choices. He ha- he struggled with alcohol, right? Uh, for for a while. Um, you know, uh, he's not always been the best father. His, you know, he talks about even now, like his, he has a son, some, a bit of a relationship with his son. His daughter wants nothing to do with him. Right. Um, so, but it's, it's, uh, you know, and he's been very open about the fact that his father was an abusive son of a bitch. Um, so he is very much a, uh, proponent of, uh, those, uh, who have suffered, uh, domestic violence, uh, seeing what it did to his mother. His actions that, Hey, I'm, I'm acting like my dad here. I should, that's just like, no, I need to backtrack. Yep. Yeah. And it's, and you know, his, 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 it's his, uh, the fact that he grew up in, kind of bfe england up mm-hmm. until 
you know, like he finally got to go to like London, you know, late, you know, as you know, as like a teenager or a young adult, and finally got to visit like a population. Because even mm-hmm. like you know, he went to some like prestigious schools, like acting schools, but they were out in the country, so mm-hmm. they're out in the middle of nowhere. So he was he's very isolated. Mm-hmm. So when he would meet. Yeah, he'd have these moments where, like, he would meet someone and have no idea who they are. Even now, he recognizes he he is very ignorant to pop culture. (laughs) So, especially when he was filming Dune. Yeah, and he didn't know who Sting was. (laughs) It's like all he heard was all he all he had heard was Sting was a musician. Yep, so yep. when he finally gets a chance to sit down and like, you know, chat with Sting and he's like, oh, you know, I heard you're a musician. He's like, what instrument do you play? And Sting's like, well, I play guitar and bass and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And he's, he's like, oh, that... double bass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, As opposed to, guitar. you know, the bass, like what also Paul McCartney plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he's and, you know, <coughs> and he's like, oh, do you know, do you do you? Uh, do you uh, perform in a band or something? And Sting's all like, yeah, oh yeah, the police. And Patrick thinks a police band, not yes. the band called the police. Yes. Like he's a police officer. Then like <laughs> their precinct has like a band or something. <laughs> well, you know, There's so many, he has several instances like that where he is just clueless to popular culture. Uh, because it, he he will admit, in his spare time, if he's listening to music, it's classical music. If yep. he's reading anything, it's like Shakespeare mm-hmm. or Dickens or very classical right. English literature. And mm-hmm. he does not divert from that. So he yeah. knows nothing about what's going on with the rest of the world. So his his current wife is trying to break him of that with yeah, the music habit. Like, it helps that she's a little younger. Yeah, uh, and, and so. I love sometimes that he knows that Freaks is going to call him out and know oh, yeah. him. He's yeah. like, enough Freaks. Yeah, <laughs> stop it now. Yeah, it's 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 really fun, but uh, you know, to listen to listen yeah. to you know to hear the the names being mentioned, the people mm-hmm. he's encountered. You know, he he went to drama school for a little while and draw uh, a drama camp uh, yep. with Brian Blessed. So uh-huh. it's all the fun to hear about <laughs> Sir Patrick talk about. And Brian Blessed apparently has been Brian Blessed since he was a teenager. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, and the I don't person, find that very surprising it, yeah. at all. Yeah, the, the the person you see in Flash Gordon and Doctor Who is uh, that's just Brian Blessed, <laughs> going by going by a different name uh, mm-hmm. for, for that particular character. So yes, um, and then one of my personal favorites mentions uh, during the seventies because he you know he talks about uh, he he was. Uh, ever since he was young, he was very quick to um, fancy the ladies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he had himself a number of of, of girlfriends from a young age, uh, you know, and uh, you know several uh, not so serious, but also some serious relationships, but did not necessarily turn into marriages because you know he's been married three times. Uh, but during the seventies, for uh, a while. 
uh, he dated uh, a young lady uh, named Janet, who ultimately, when she became a professional actress, uh, changed her uh, last name so that she went by the name Janet Sussman. So Patrick Stewart dated Nick's cousin in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cousin Janet, I like the entire time. Well, we, I'm like, I know this woman. We need to, we need some tea on that, my dear. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a picture. Thank you. I've got a, I've got a picture Nick shared of her and Patrick together. Oh, so cool. I'll, I'll, I'll have to put, I'll have to pop it in the in the show notes, so y'all can see it. But yeah, it's cool. We need to have a whole podcast episode of the 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 uh, the six degrees six degrees of cousin Janet. Janet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what it feels like <laughs> it's like but, how many times has she popped up <laughs> a, a lot she a pops lot. up just every now and then and I'm like but I, it's like I know her this <laughs> is so cool <laughs> like she's like she's like family mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much. she dated Patrick Stewart <laughs> I mean, this this is a fantastic read, and I mean, getting yeah. to his with the Star Trek and how they talked him into doing Picard, mm-hmm. and that final season, him kind of loosening up his demands, yeah, and that him even saying, "I want to do one more movie, but with Picard." And I 100% agree with him. Jonathan Frakes needs to direct and heck, even if not write the story. Because mm-hmm. yeah. Frakes has done some good writing. His directing is just spot on awesome. He's done Next Gen. But he's done quite a few episodes. Chrissy, you've watched Leverage. Fantastic yep. job. He's done oh, yeah. stuff with the librarians. Well, he's done yeah, he the librarians. Um, yes, yeah, card. Yeah, Freaks is, he's an awesome director. Yeah, he did gets he, it. Did he direct, I feel like he might have directed some of of the new Picard series. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. And then he's also, he's also directed a couple of episodes of Strange New Worlds. Okay. Which is the newest Star Trek spinoff. And he's also, I believe, if memory serves, he is doing episodes for the third upcoming season of Strange New Worlds. Okay. So he he knows his stuff. <laughs> oh well, yes, mm-hmm. yes. It was just, and it was funny because I was li- I was listening to this late last year, and I was in you know smack dab in the middle of I got into all the Star Trek stuff. Uh, by the mm-hmm. time I had to make the commute uh, from here to Columbus, Ohio for GalaxyCon, and there's a number of the next gen cast at galaxy con and i'm just like i'm listening to patrick stewart talk about you (laughs) (laughs) can you confirm or deny what he's written about yeah (laughs) (laughs) this is really you (laughs) yeah but he just being nice or is there more to it than that (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah well because yeah you just you just have to listen to it but it's definitely in the same vein where when it's read by the person Mm -hmm. you just get something different because you know one it's them there are they are obviously emotionally attached to what is being said even though there are some really great 
memoirs out there that are narrated by someone else it's just yeah. not quite the same when it's you know the person well, it, telling their own story and yeah. patrick does things like he'll laugh at himself mm -hmm. at stories yeah. you know stupid stuff he did when he was a kid he'll make he'll he makes voices you know so it's not like he's just reading it it's he is treating it like he is telling a story yeah. well and it, mm -hmm. it's like you know when when you're talking with like you're you're a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle uh -huh. or somebody and it's like they were actually there so uh -huh. they're not just reading off a script or you know doing their own interpretation of it. it's like no i was actually there and so it feels it feels a lot more authentic because well it is first of all um so yeah so anytime you can get and like it and like we said you know not every memoir the person that it's about is going to read it but if you can listen to that person tell their own story absolutely do because it's a treat mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So absolutely yes so rachel why don't oh. you dive into yours and then i'll finish up with my last two for yeah. star trek yeah uh oh goodness where do i uh da, da, da. <laughs> it's like where do i want to go um because i have a lot of non-fiction um and you could probably pick sense the theme <laughs> with a lot mm -hmm. of these titles um yep. so um and the, and the ones in my in progress <laughs> list too uh because i have a couple i'm in the middle of reading right now um but uh also in my non uh in non-fiction um I have uh, uh, this one called Cast, and it's C-A-S-T-E, um, and it's written by Isabel, Isabel Wilkerson, um, and she is a journalist, and uh, she's, a, she's a woman of color, and this book is essentially... Um, racism the history of racism not just in the united states uh but across the world so it, talk, it talks about you know the the goose steppers um and the the caste system you you've probably heard it most when talking about india um mm -hmm. and um it compares those three along with some others and how it has shaped society um in the last you know 150 ish years, uh, uh, or so. Um, well, and caste system in India that goes back centuries. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. but it's, it, you know, trying to compare something that old to something that we remember, uh, better. Um, so, um, and his also kind of, it, it, you know, it still kind of exists even now today. Oh, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, you know, it, it, it uh, talks about it both from a, you know, um, you know, she covers it from lots of different angles, both from religious, science, economics, um, you know, government, um, um, you know, all sorts of, all sorts of different aspects um, and things that you may not necessarily think about um, that are kind of in, have been embedded into society to the point where it's so it's subconscious 
you know, we're not even realizing the way that we are being pushed in certain directions or being affected, you know, by certain things. Um, so it's, and, and she has her own stories. Um, she also talks to, uh, a number of experts and other people that have uh, had their own experiences. Um, and this has actually been adapted into a movie that was just released um, uh, earlier this year, theatrically called origin. Um, and you've probably seen the, the, the trailer uh, for it, for it, but um, it is essentially the story of Isabel writing this book and her journeys uh, going to like Germany in India um, and, and places like that. Uh, so, but that is, was, at, it was released in theaters January 19th. So, you know, check your local theater um, on um, uh, if you want to, if you want to see it. So, but it's it's a really good book. Uh, um, I don't know about the movie. Apparently, the movie's gotten pretty good reviews. Uh, so, um, but you know, if you're if 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 you're kind of like me, where you're just kind of like, especially in today's world, where you're just kind of like, ah, you know, what the hell is going on? Why are we having mm -hmm. these issues? And right. you know, why are people so busy to like, you know butt heads and not like work together for the betterment of all of the all of us this is at least gives us some explanation of kind of how we got here uh -huh. and you know she and it's does, gonna take a long and, time to change it <laughs> yeah yeah because it's so systemic uh -huh. um, but you know it, it, i have a fascination with like psychology and psychiatry and like anthropology and you know why humans act the way they do um and so a, a book like this totally speaks to me uh <laughs> so grant you know she's one woman with you know uh, some other experts and historians giving their two cents so you know this obviously is not it's not the be all to end all but it's if you're interested in that sort of thing of why does society tick the way it does right now this at least gives you some place to start uh with uh some of those some of those answers to questions that that you might have oh um and then um uh, in the i also have been like on a biography kick uh, the this list could be a, a whole lot longer but i was trying to temper <laughs> myself um so and i just and i, I just picked i just picked up some more too because like you know uh some actual physical books mm -hmm. like i just picked up one of chelsea handler's memoirs because she's written several i just picked up martin short's memoir <laughs> so it's david like, grohl's storytellers is also good yeah i've got that on my list of 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 two two red um i really like uh and she's written several so this is only one of them but um it is uh one of carol burnett's 
books. So uh, in this case, it's in such good company. Uh, but she's got several books. So, so some of these people with a longer career have got multiple books out there. Um, but one that I do have on this on this list specifically is Dying of Politeness, which is Gita Davis's memoir. Which, again, if you listen to the audiobook, she's the one that reads it. And it is so funny and touching. Um because uh you know she comes from the, she, it's literally dying of politeness she comes from this his, this this family that's a long line of people that don't want to be a bother to the point where it almost <laughs> like the book start i think it's early on in the book where she remembers when she was a child and like they were coming home from church or something on a sunday afternoon and her grandfather was driving. Her grandmother was in the passenger seat. She was in the back with like her parents. And at some point, like her grandfather veered into the other lane. And they, they were out in like the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just like a two lane road. But still, he veered over into the other lane and didn't notice. And for a while, no, you know. Nobody said anything because there wasn't any traffic, but eventually another car started coming towards them. And at the last second, he realizes and veers back over. And then I I can't remember if it's like her grandmother, her mother was like, uh, says something along the lines of, oh, that's good, dear. I was going to say something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Goodness. Like these people, it's like they're so they just want to be so nice and polite to everybody. And and when she got started as an actress, um that was not working in her favor because yeah. Hollywood could be very cutthroat. Mm-hmm. Um but she's never and she's never wanted to be one of those stars in Hollywood uh that you know, is gets a reputation of being, you know, like the bitch or, you know, difficult to work with or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, although there's yeah, obviously there are some stars out there that are notoriously like hard to work with, but people are like, oh, they're so good. They put up with it. Gina never wanted to be like that. So she's always tried to be kind and at least not be you know, standoffish or bitchy to anybody. So she tries to treat everyone as a human being, whether you're the person getting coffee or you're the director and everyone in between. Um, and I think I mentioned this this story briefly. I forget what we were talking about. It was another episode um, where uh, she talks about when they were filming um, A League of Their Own. And, uh, you know, she gets there and they're getting settled in and doing like table reads and starts rehearsing and stuff. And she meets Tom Hanks and she gets royally pissed off at how nice he is and how he seems to be nicer than her. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be known as the nicest person in Hollywood. Here comes Tom Hanks. Being apparently even nicer than her, and how dare he be that nice? So it's the nice, it's the nice Olympics. If you yes, <laughs> yes, that's funny. 
Yeah. So, but she she's she's had an interesting time in Hollywood and even outside of Hollywood. Like at one point, she was close to getting into getting on the Olympic team for uh, archery. Mm, okay. So, um, you know, she's uh, you know, and now she's got her own um, organization, um, the Gina Davis Institute that uh uh does like analysis and research and stuff on you know women in different um different uh you know jobs and, and such and how how women can you know get a leg up in, in certain industries so uh but yeah it was just like <laughs> she's just she's so she's so funny because she just realizes how absurd you know it all is <laughs> you know how she was raised and how she's had to kind of learn to break some it's almost like you know you don't want to say being polite is a bad habit but <laughs> in this case it, it kind it, of is it can <laughs> so, be it, it really yeah. can be yeah which I, I, you know, I, I have had to learn a few things about that. Yeah. In, in my line of work and working with the public. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Bless them, but sometimes. Yes. Not. yes. Bless your heart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is, she was from the South. That's exactly the way it would be, except she's from New England. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Southerners. This is the, have, this is the New England way. equivalent of bless your heart. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, Southerners have a way of telling you to go f yourself, and you you will enjoy the journey. Mm-hmm. No, right. Sometimes like, you don't even know that they're telling you to do that. This is yeah. true. You're just like, oh, oh thank you, I will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell you how to go to hell. Mm-hmm. I like, I like, I like mixing up go f yourself <laughs> sometimes because I'm just like, no. anyway. Oh yeah, I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. Cool. So there's a couple. All yeah. right. Chrissy, were there any other ones that you wanted to mention? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm only halfway through my list. I mean, <laughs> Rachel said that she was trying to, 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 to temper or you know, to, to kinda of, kinda of keep things in check and I'm just kinda of like, here's everything. Actually no, yeah. not everything, because if I want to do everything, it would have been the picture books. Because I've found mm-hmm. some really fantastic picture books lately, uh, but no, I um, so I'll go into my next little section here, and these are all audio books. So I don't know if people have noticed. Well, I mean, book book bookish people will probably have noticed, but there has been a resurgence of um, romantic fantasy, and to the point that they've started calling it romanticy. And I'm going to get on my mm-hmm. soapbox here. That is the dumbest, dumbest yep. term in the world for you know calling calling for any genre i hate it it's cringy stop doing that but i i, I know i'm like i'm 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 yelling into the wind because goodreads actually has um for their award thing best romanticy but then they got rid of the the, the best children's and picture book category so i'm a little miffed at them for that but um that but is not the cute thing. they should here's not the have thing. gotten rid of those no they really shouldn't have but it, it's sort of this thing because, like, especially Rebecca Yaros, uh, with uh, which I have on my list, uh, Fourth Wing and Iron Flame, which 
I feel like everyone and their mother has read, and honestly, they, they are fantastic books. They really, really are. And I'll get to that in a minute. But it's like, okay, this isn't a new genre. It's been a, or a subgenre. It's been around forever. It's been around for mm-hmm. a really long time. And, and the way how I know this is the first series in my little section that I have on my list here is the Terran Soul series by C.L. Wilson. And this series is, um, well, okay. Uh, and I, it came out, the first book came out in early 2000s, I believe, or yeah, somewhere between, between early to mid 2000s. And I picked it up several years ago and I read it and I loved it, but somewhere along the line, and there's like five books and it tells one story and it's kind of like, okay, think of like a Brandon Sanderson series or, mm-hmm. um, you know, Robert Jordan, or I, well, I don't want to compare it to George R. R. Martin because this series is actually finished. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. um, <laughs> uh, kind of like the Telltale series by uh, yeah. Durst or Burst. Yeah. So, so this series is, it's a fantasy, but there's also, but romance features very heavily in it too, because the whole point of it. Okay. So, so, and the world building, there's a lot of really great world building. It's kind of why I compared it to Brandon Sanderson, but it's not as dense. So don't think like if right. you go, pick up the first book that you're going to get this humongous brick of a book that you're going to read now. It's not like Miss the Mistborn from Sanderson. No, no. Well, Mistborn, yes, but it's not like, you know, Way of Kings where you're just like, oh my gosh, right. I dropped this on my toe, I'm going to break my foot. Um, right. So there's five books in the series. First one is called Lord of the Fading Lands. The second one is Lady of Light and Shadows. The third is King of Sword and Sky. The fourth one is Queen of Song and Souls. Soul and Songs. Can't remember. And the last one is Crown of Crystal Flame. And it tells, it's a whole, it's, a, it's one long continuous story. And it's a, in this fantasy world. And it starts with this young girl. Well, okay, she's not young. She's like in her mid-twenties. Um, and she was found, she was a baby. She was found in the woods, just abandoned. And her adopted parents, so like her, 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 parent, her dad, her adopted father is a woodcarver. They live in a village. Um... And they couldn't have kids of their own, so they take her, take her in. Um, but the pro- but she also like as she gets older, she exhibits some magic. Uh, and and there are parts of this. So so what I love about this series is there is a fully full fully realized world, and all of the and there's like the humans, there's the fae, there are the elves, and then there are the eld, which when you're when you're listening to the audiobook, that they talk, the, the elder, the bad guys, they use dark magic, they use their magic to control people and manipulate, and and they treat people, they treat all of the, like, like, the, like the high mage of eld actually has captives, like, like, like human and fey captives that he is using them as a breeding program to get to build up his giant army. He's a bad dude, like, the worst of the worst. Just, there is nothing about him that is good or or nothing no redeemable (laughs) these are these are these are demonic awful people um there is no coming back from from them so um so so like years ago there was these war there was this war between the fey and the eld and everybody else came in and um so the fey um in their in their Realm, the way their magic works is it's very it's very much tied to your soul. There's a lot of talk about the soul in this series, and like you know they have their warriors. It's their their men are the warriors, 
and then their women are their healers. Now, now the women are have to be very have to be protected at all costs because women are extremely empathetic. That's how their magic works. And if they come in contact with somebody who like, okay, I'll, I'll use I'm kind of all over the place, but they come in contact with somebody who has like like one of their warriors who's killed a lot of people. Every time they they take a life, it impacts their soul to the point that if they do not find their true mate who is the like the other half of their soul there's uh-huh. they, they are going to either have to perform an honor death or be outcast as one of the soulless in their language of of the fae and they cannot be part of their, their realm because it would physically harm their women to be in contact or even be near somebody who has who has basically lost their soul so, so you don't see a lot of Fae women outside of the Fading Lands. Well, their king is the only one who is what they call a Terran soul. And a Terran is a magical creature that's kind of a cross between a very large cat and a bat. They, they have wings and they have their own culture and their own um, magic. And they're very, they're very innately tied to the Fae to the point that some Fae actually have a soul that's called the Terran soul, which means they can, they are all actually part of the pride of Terran. And whoever is the strongest Terran soul is like the ruler of the Fae. Well, this, well, after the Mage Wars, it all just kind of got upended because the, the Mage Wars just basically ripped the, ripped the world apart. And, uh, and the, their, their leader, um, is, his name is Rain Terran soul. And he's been in exile because he went mad after his, his heart mate, which is not the same as a true mate, she was killed in the war. Well, then, it, well, it turns out the Terran are dying, the Fae's magic is dying, and they haven't had children in a really long time. And he's got, and he needs to figure out how. So he goes to sort of the um, the oracle of their people, which is like this. It's the seeing eye, and it tells him go to the mortal capital city. And he meets our main character, Elisetta, who is the girl that was found in the woods all those many years ago. And there's always, and she has magic, and a lot of weird things happen around her. Her parents kind of get freaked out by it, but she's a good kid. And her parents love her. They raise her, they raise her well. <clears throat> and, and eventually, and it finds out later that um, she used her magic, not intentionally, but made it so her mother could have child and she has twin little sisters so it's just sort of this whole story of the the elder coming back the black magic is is set to um you know wreak havoc on the world the fae are coming back as well and and the terran soul is going to find its true mate and they are going to have to and it turns out ellie said is actually a fae herself but her birth parents you know had to hide her because the elder after her and different things and it's just it's very it's very in-depth very rich and the romance really plays a huge part in the story because it's basically life or death for for the fae that these two are together and they they find their they find their their true mate bond so it's 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 really cool because you kind of feel like if you know if you love those deep world-built fantasy worlds and if you want a good romance to go along with it then this is the one for you. And they're actually reissuing these books with new covers. Because oh, the old covers... Huh? Very cool. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. I thought you said wait. I was like, 
No, no, but, all neat. But I just, so I just, I just bought, yeah. So I, I just bought Lord of the Fading Lands with the new cover. It was at Walmart a couple weeks ago, so I bought that. So they're gonna slowly, but the audiobooks are pretty good. Um, they, they, they have a couple of different readers for the books throughout because I think they were done several years ago. So it could be, it can be a little tricky, but I've been listening to them and but they're they're pretty good. And I am almost done with the fourth book. And hopefully if my rambling description of the story, because there's a lot more to it, and it's not like these are huge books, so it's not like it's a huge, it's a big time commitment, like you're going to have to like, it, like the audiobooks are maybe like 12 hours long. It's not, yeah. it's not that, um, it's not that, it's not that time consuming. I mean, they're about as, the, the books themselves are about as big as like, you know, a paperback romance that you'd find at the grocery store or Walmart or wherever. So don't think that you're getting some enormous, oh my gosh, this is going to take my entire life to read, but it's still, it's, it's in depth. You feel like, like you could just dive into this world and just live in it. And the characters are, are very likable, except for the ones who aren't, but there, but there's a purpose for that. Um, and there's even, even among the 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 good guys there are some rivalries and some of them just don't get along because of you know certain outlooks on their culture and politics and whatnot so they feel like they're real people um so yeah so I I recommend that series so it's again it's called the Terran Soul Terran is T A R E N uh, Terran Soul series by C L Wilson she has a couple other um, series but one of them's on hiatus. Um, but I, but Terran Soul's complete, so you can you can read that one and not feel like you're on a cliffhanger or anything like that. So so don't don't feel bad about doing that. And then also, um, uh, in that in that same romantic fantasy vein, I have another funny story to tell. So I'm sure people have, some of you may have heard of Sarah J. Moss. Um, she writes mm-hmm. um, she writes fantasy with with romance in it. And some of her books are cataloged as YF, some are cataloged as adult. I kind of don't care because they're both pretty good, although I'm sure some, some parents of teenagers would, would uh, have something to say about that. But just know what you're, know, you know, if you're, if you're teen, like I, I would say adults or not, um, like older teen, probably be a good, a good fit for this, but know, know what you're, know what, uh, what your, uh, what your limits are as far as content goes. So I'm not going to tell you yes or no, whether it should be teen or adult. Not my job. Uh, <laughs> oddly enough. Um, so I like, like, but there were teens who were asking, where is the, um, uh, shoot court of, of thorn and roses series. And I just, and, I, and there was like, a, like the whole list. Whereas I know it on the internet. Akotar. Akotar. Yes, <laughs> that one. <laughs> And I'm and I'd heard of it, but I knew I knew it had been out for a while, and I'm like, why are there so many holds on this? Because it's not brand new, and I guess there was a new-ish book in the series that came out, but I was like, I just want to know what's going on. Like, is there a movie? Is there a series? What's going on? So I'm like, I just want to read this and see what it is. So I get on Libby because that's just sort of my my go-to at this point. And I'm looking for the audiobook. Well, there's also the there's an audiobook that I could put on hold. There's also graphic audio, which for those of us who have listened to Big Finish, it's basically Big Finish audio, full cast audio. 
And I'm like, cool, sound effects and sound effects, multiple multiple people playing characters. You know, you know, they're all playing mm-hmm. different characters, but there is a narrator. Then it follows the book. You know, it, it's not like a movie adaptation because movies have to do things differently, but they are way more um, faithful, I guess, than a movie would be. So, so I, so I get on, I get on the wait list for both the audiobook and the graphic audio because I'm like, well, I'm going to head for this. So I do that and the graphic audio comes in first. So I'm like, okay, cool. And it's, and it's split into two parts. So you get like part, you know, you have the graphic audio is part book one, part one, there's book one, part two. So I, I did all that and I listened to it and it's amazing. The, the graphic audio of, of, Court of Thorn and Roses and, and the others and, and all the rest are just fantastic. I don't know how the audiobook is, just the regular audiobook is. In fact, I, although I have heard from people like, oh yeah, I tried to read that and I just couldn't get into it. And I'm kind of like, okay, you know, it happens. But I am just like, oh my gosh, re listen to the graphic audio. It is, ah, I think it's just having that different interpretation um, you know, hearing different characters read in different ways really makes a difference. And so okay. I, I know, I, like, I know people are kind of funny about Sarah Moss, about her, like, they're like, oh, I don't know if I could get into it. Or, you know, there's just something about her writing that I'm just not, I'm not cool with or whatever. I mean, and, and if that, and if that's the case, fair enough, I get it. Like, there are books that everybody, everybody loves and, they won't shut up about, and then I finally read them. I'm like, this sucks. What is what is mm-hmm. wrong with you? But been I, there, done that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, Chrissy, quick question for you: What's the difference between a graphic audio and an audiobook? This is the first time I'm hearing of a graphic audio. Okay, a graphic audio is, that is a full. That's a full cast audio. So if you listen to okay. the finish, you've listened to gotcha. graphic audio. It's the same kind okay. of thing. An audio book gotcha. is just a narrator reading the story. Okay. Which all right. Which is fine, which is totally mm-hmm. fine. Um, and there's, so you would just, um, so and the graphic yeah, so, audio would have more like sound effects versus yeah, they have uh, sound effects. They have they have different people playing different parts. Um, with 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 this series, like they're like the girl who plays Feyre, who's the main the main female um, character, and uh, she is she reads because because the book is all from her point of view although i think later books there are other um characters who 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 we follow their point of view as well so so whoever's point of view we're following that's who's narrating the book or you know narrating the narration parts but the dialogue and then you know if there's you know you know if it says so and so made a non-committal grunt or you know something like that like a vocal a vocalization that isn't necessarily words so it's like they have a script um, but they, but you know, they take a lot. Out, they take out about a lot of the he said, she said, because it's just that character um, reading that part. So you know, so you know, like, oh, that's the voice that does, um, like Tamlin or, or whoever or whatever character. That's the voice that does Rusand, or that's the voice that does. You know. So so yeah. So if you if you have listened, okay. So maybe maybe I don't want to say it's fully like an a. Uh, a big finish audio because there's still the narration part in there, mm-hmm. but it, it's very similar. So if you are, so if you like radio plays, if you're into that kind of thing, you will, this is, this is something that you maybe, maybe even if you're like, Oh, I don't think I can do audio books because my mind wanders or what have you. 
maybe this is a way to do it. And there's lots of books that just get on, you can get on Libby or Audible or wherever and just kind of search graphic audio and you'll actually be surprised at um, how many books have been made into graphic audio. So I know Brandon mm-hmm. Sanderson's have, um, Alona Andrews, their books have been done. Several um, Neil Gaiman's have. Neil Gaiman's R- have. Yes. So just just kind of, I mean, you'll kind of be shocked. Uh, some of Michael J. Sullivan's have been done that way too. A lot of fantasy, because I guess they figure, well, you know, some of these we're never going to get a, a faithful movie adaptation, but I think we can manage a, an audio, a graphic audio sort of thing. So it's it's kind of cool that way. So anyway, uh, so yeah. Uh, Court of Thorn and Roses was amazing as graphic audio. So if you're still like, well, I kind of want to get into it, but I don't know if I can, give it a try. Um, but I, I actually went in and uh, for my birthday last year, I had Jared, I asked him for some uh, um, extra audible credits so <laughs> I could get the whole series just for myself so I could listen to it whenever. So there's that. Um, but yeah, I've kind of really gotten into Sarah J. Moss uh her 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 stories her books i mean a lot of it is that fantasy with with some uh romance but it's very focused on on the fantasy world and the, and the conflict and the things like that but there's the the but the love stories are definitely there which i am in favor of because i enjoy i i love a good love story i know that's not everyone's cup of tea but if if uh and sometimes it can be hard to find one that's like, oh, yes, I really do like this. And not like, oh, this isn't my thing. But mm-hmm. anyway, so if you're into that, there you go. So, um, yeah. And then the other two I had on this section, there was, like I said, Fourth Wing and Iron Flame by Rebecca Yaros. Um, I like them. I'm not going to say they're like, uh, I mean, because there, there are some, some things I'm kind of like, okay, maybe this isn't my thing or, but then there's parts I'm like, Ooh, I'm enjoying this. This is great. So I, I would give it, I mean, there are people that like that wet themselves over these books, which fair enough. If that's your thing, go for it. Um, but I'm like, no, yeah, these are good. These are fun. Um, I'm not going to pretend that it's the bestest, best thing ever, but I'm also not going to pretend that I think it's, it's hot garbage because it's not. Um, but it's the same sort of thing. Like, you know, the, the world is ending or well, maybe not the world is ending, but you know, crap is happening. And the, so it's basically these, these kids are more like college kids in, in terms of age, honestly, um, that they go to this academy, this military academy to learn to be dragon riders. And the main character is the daughter of the general. And she's actually not very physically fit to be a military um, individual. But her mother makes her do it because that's what her children are all going to do, which is silly, but whatever. Um, but there's reasons for it. So the third or no, the second book came out a few months ago, and that was that was the, the big hotness. And I listened to the audiobook of that one. And it's it's cool. It's really awesome. I, I do. I do enjoy it. I love the interactions because they get because she gets her dragon and so does, and her boyfriend has a dragon, and he, and her boyfriend's actually one of the, the ones, uh, the, the, a child of one of the rebels from the last war, and they're being punished for their parents' loss, sort of in a Hunger Games kind of way, um, but yeah, so it's, it's, but, but it's, like, the relationship's really good, there's not a lot of, 
uh, angsty drama between them, although there's plenty of angsty drama because of their circumstances and what's going on in the war and with their dragons. So, so it's the it's the fantasy aspect of it that I'm like, oh, this is affecting their their situation just the way it is. So, anyway, so I kind of I kind of get into that. So it's it's good. I also love because it it reads like a YA novel, which might be put may, might be off putting to some people, but I will say this: um, a YA novel would have would have been would have been um, artificially split up because money, dear boy, at certain mm-hmm. points where these books are not split up. In fact, they are the the like that where. So halfway through book one is when Violet, who is the main protagonist, she gets her dragon. And I think if this had been in a traditional area, if this book had been written like 10 or 12 years ago, that's where book one would have ended. But there's a lot more story to go. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't end there. And I'm like, thank you for that. I am so tired of a book ending before it really needs to, just because we got to stretch this out because the publishing company needs to, you know, have Make a money, money maker in quarter three mm-hmm. or something. Um, <laughs> we need to turn something into a cash cow. <laughs> yes, pretty much. So this one, and I'm sure, I'm sure with the popularity of it, because it's, I, I, you know, like I said, people are wetting themselves over it. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it has been optioned for a movie or a series of some kind. So I would not be surprised if we heard like some sort of casting announcement. But for now, I'm like, I'm enjoying the book. I, I really do. And the, the audiobook is pretty good. There are some things that I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's not, I don't really care about. Or, you know, maybe you would have, maybe I would have done something a little different in this scene or with this character, but it's not a deal breaker for me. So I enjoy it. Um, so it's, it's, it's a good fantasy with romance in it. So, you know, I'm having a good time. And then, also, just to kind of round this out, there is the Elkame series by Holly Black, which I listened to in audio. Um, this one is is pretty much a straight up y, a YF or YA. I mean, young adult. We 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 catalog them as youth fiction, but um, so we say YF. But it's and YA. Holly Black is a good author because I've read yeah. some of her other her other works. Now, now she's one that I have been like hit and miss with personally, mm-hmm. but you know. If you you know if, if if you are like yes I love her she's great then you know that's great that's awesome don't let me rain on your parade that mm-hmm. um, I really like I LK. agree some of them are better than some of her books are better than others just yeah, I just remember there was one of hers that was that was on the, the the teen long list for the Beehive Awards some years ago and I just could not get into it but everyone else insisted it was the greatest thing since sliced bread and I'm just kind of like well good for you. Um, but yeah, I really like this one. It starts out with The Cruel Prince is the first book. And um, there is some romance, and you can kind of tell who the main love interest is going to be, but he's actually a big old jerk at the beginning because it's it's these 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 girls. Anyway, it's the, the, the Fae and the mortals again, and you know, the, their mother was married to, to a fairy in their world, but she ran away and, but she was pregnant. So they took, so, so their older sister who was half Fae was actually, you know, cause she, she's actually the Fae's, the, 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 the Fae general's heir. And he, and, but she marries a mortal guy. So, so the twin girls are 
mortal, but they are, but then the, the, the dad of the older sister comes back, kills the mom and the dad, the mortal parents, because he wants his heir, and he just takes the girls, takes all the girls and raises them in the Fey world, because that's like what you do. do. Because mm-hmm. and he's uh, so, anyway, but but the one twin sister, she really wants to prove herself. She wants to, you know, like hey, I'm just as good as all you fay. The other twin sister is like, no, don't make waves. We're we're in enough trouble as it is. We're you know, our situation isn't that great. Which I could see that. And there were times when um, the 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 one sister, I'm just kind of like, okay, we keep like the the one who wants to uh, um. You know, be 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 like some big wig in the in the Fey world. I'm like, look, you just need to cool your jets, kid, because <laughs> you're mm-hmm. gonna get somebody killed, probably yourself. Um, but it's, don't be in a hurry to grow up, get into yeah, power, do those yeah, things. It's like it's like you know what? Just I mean, it's not like the Fey are really that good to him anyway. And the kicker right. is the half Fey sister. She wants nothing to do with the Fey. She actually wants to go back and live in the mortal realm. Which I'm like, which the dad, which the, the, the Faye general, I'm like, okay, if she's your heir, why aren't you freaking out more on her than the other two? <laughs> I'm just going to say Faye in this, in this Elfame kingdom, not the best parents. I'm just going to say that. So it doesn't sound scary. like he's going to be winning any parenting awards in no. time. And, and, <laughs> no, and it kind of sounds no. almost like most of the typical Faye. Yes. Stuff I've read, but with a little bit of a twist. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So they're so fickle. Just, they mm-hmm. are. They are. You know, yeah. Very much. Like if you if you read Dresden Files, you know, yeah. Yeah. So kind of yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very different than the earlier ones I was talking about in Terran Soul. Terran Soul, they're actually they're actually nice. <laughs> I'm like, I actually want to hang out with some of you, but not you. Um, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it in the end, um, just because, you know, the, the, the one sister, her name's Jude, she actually, she grows a lot, there's a lot of growth there, and um, they, they, you know, and, and she, she learns a lot, and she becomes something that she was not in the beginning, because she, she was almost insufferable in the beginning, but she, there was some real good character growth there, and she just, she got her happy ending that she deserved. She she earned it, so I I was I was happy with how it ended, and I guess there are some other spinoff um, books that have come out for, from Holly Black. So, but this is another one I listened to the audiobook, and I and I really enjoyed it. So, anyway, so that's my next section. Um, uh, I'm gonna let Holly and Rachel talk about a few more of their other ones because I I've been talking a lot, and I hope I didn't like <laughs> confuse everybody with all these fantasy and fey and whatever else i'm like well that's sort of the that's sort of the 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 in thing these days although some of them have kind of been around for a long time but anyway rachel and holly what else what else you guys have on your list um my last two are um two star trek novels by a somewhat heavy hitter peter david um, the first one is a Star Trek Next Generation novel. It's um, number 18. It's called Kewan Law. <laughs> so you can imagine who shows up. It's Q. So basically the story is Picard has to help with these two warring families, almost Mormeo and Juliet. The kids are going to get married. Loxwana. Troy, Deanna's mama, is one of the delegates, so you can just imagine Picard's 
freaking oh, no. out. Oh, this no. is set during like early season Deanna's, two, three. Just the idea of Deanna's mother in the same story is cute. Oh, it gets it gets good. Well, oh yes, that's just oh, chaos. It's, it's, it's worth the read. I wish this one could have been made into a movie because at least so, an episode. <laughs> yeah, because at least because Black Swan is kind of in mourning because Deanna hasn't gone off and married, found her true love. She's on the spaceship. Q's up to his old because her true love is Riker. Exactly. Yes, this is like is true. Just, just give it a give it eight more years, Black Swana. It'll yeah, you'll be happy. So basically, Q meets Black Swana and woo, and he gives her powers of the Q. Oh, God. And kind of pretends that he falls in love. And everybody's just telling Lakswana, don't do this. You do not know Q. And she's just like, she's getting pissed off. She's like, give him the benefit of the doubt. Da, 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 da. Well, she's she sees his true colors. And let's just say she, Q tries to take his powers back. There's another Q that lets her have the powers. And Oh uh, yeah, the last ten to fifteen pages of uh Laxwana beating Q's ass is kind of <laughs> very interesting. I mean and Worf is just sitting there like popcorn, popcorn, popcorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it is I imagine most of the crew of the Enterprise would be <gasps> like Oh yes, oh yes. They're just like, oh, should we stop? Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Mama Troy's got this. Let it reach its you... natural ending. Yes, please and thank This you. is the circle of life. We're just gonna, we're gonna let the lion chase the gazelle. Yes, exactly. And we're not gonna interfere with the natural order of things. Yeah, I mean, even Guinan's just like, okay, I'm not gonna <laughs> stop. I'm not gonna stop. Because basically Deanna kind of almost has it out with Q in the 10 forward about like you leave my mother alone you you hurt her I'm going to squash you like a buck and Q's just like who are you talking to and Guinan's just like <laughs> <laughs> you know kind of in between them but it's mm-hmm. I mean it's a short read but it, it it's good if you can find a copy the other one is a Deep Space Nine one <laughs> It's early first season. This is the one I talked to you ladies last week after we had wrapped with. It's kind of a creepy base under siege. But basically Odo winds up and the rest of the Deep Space Nine crew have to solve this shape-shifting murder and not get the point you know, Odo getting blamed again for mm-hmm. being the one that's doing this. And then there's a side story with some beliefs and whatnot. And Miles trying to help Keiko out with her school. And then Quark trying to buy Deep Space Nine with another Ferengi. <laughs> this goes just like, yeah, nice try. And I mean, and Odo is just like, yeah, you wouldn't believe what I heard at the bar, you know, in the form of a table, which they're none the wiser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and then of course, Miles's daughter's birthday is coming up and he wants to do something, you know, car trick, whatnot. 
So long story short, at the end, I mean, and the dialogue is spot on. If you've ever seen Deep Space Nine with Odo and the snappy, sarcastic comebacks, mm-hmm. Peter David's got yeah. it down oh, good. to the T. And the ending is just like, Miles is like, you know, okay, I helped you out with this. We got the bad guy. I'm not going to tell you how the bad guy bites it in the end. But yes, spoiler alert, he does die. But it's it's kind of interesting how he winds up dying. And Odo, his way of becoming and doing a favor is he shapeshifts into a pony for Miles' <laughs> daughter's birthday. Nice. <laughs> and he's just like, no, Molly, we can only have this pony for the one day and you know he's talking he's like you know mr you know mr odo kind of helped me out but you know he doesn't tell her that the pony's odo and she's like daddy can i name him fluffy <laughs> oh sure you can and you know and you can just and some of the response from odo was just like mm-hmm. just be nice this is for mm. a three-year-old this is for molly don't yeah. rain on her parade and well, I, the other one know, that i've it, it's for Molly, so you know Odo could, because she could, she could ask very nicely, and he uh-huh. would become the pony anytime she wanted him to. Right, exactly. <laughs> so you know, it's it's not that big a deal. <laughs> no, no, it's not. But Odo is very, very nice like that. Yes. So these are two two good ones, and I'm reading Q squared, which is a. Another that's I'm reading right now is basically with um, from this can't remember the early Star Trek with Trelawney from the original series Mm -hmm. where he's supposed to be a Q and he and main Q kind of have their own little fighty fighty let's read Kavik so I'm rereading that one but Mm -hmm. Peter David is if you're looking for a good Star Trek novels to read he's a go-to diane duane's done some i mean john peel there's quite a few but these two peter david i just there's something in the way that he writes the dialogue it's just like boom movie mm-hmm. sort of tv and these two were short reads like 262 273 pages so not very long but very entertaining I mean, just alone with Laxwana, just <laughs> beating the crap out of you. I've seen that one in like used bookstores, <laughs> and I've it never oh. occurred to me to actually pick it up considering how much Kill like Q is one of my absolute favorite Star Trek characters of all time. Yeah. So any any of the Q novels that I that are out there yeah. that I have read are fantastic. It's it, there's just something about the authors when they get the chance. To write for the Q character, just and chalk it up to, I think the just because the the, the, the Q, PowerPoint, yeah, or John and John Delancey. There's just yeah. something about that combination. It's just you love to hate, but you can't. It's like give me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it must be something about like oh, you know, Q must be the one like all of all of the Star Trek authors fight over. Like I'm going to write it. No, I'm going to do it. It's my turn. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I also think Loxwana too. I mean, it was just an interesting pairing because I can remember I 
my physical copy. I don't know where it is, but I know I have it floating around. I picked it up on digital, but I remember when I saw the cover for the first time, I'm like, ah, sold. Those two? Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do it. I, I, I was no dummy. I knew there was going to be fireworks at that tender middle school age. I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> nice. Yes. And at least the car's like, thank goodness it's not me. <laughs> yep. Like, bye. That's bye. it. At this point, everybody in the Enterprise can just kind of sit, like, go to 10 4, get all the snacks and drinks that they uh, can handle, <laughs> and just sit feet. back and, and between just like Q and Deanna's mother, and probably Deanna too, just the three of them just let them go at it, and they just all sit back and watch fireworks. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and Riker like, should I do anything, sir? No, <laughs> easy number, but no. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. Stay you're good. Yep. Things will work out on its own. <laughs> yep. Oh, well, the funny thing is, is when we've all seen, we we've all we've all it's like we all know how next gen ends. Q will live to see another day. So. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Even though the ship gets damaged, Laxwana is nice enough to repair damage as she <laughs> goes along her merry way. Oh, sweet niblets. Yes. Um... <sighs> I can't gush enough, but if you're looking for something that's going to give you a chuckle and like, oh, dear next, this is yeah. this is one next of time them. i see next time i see that i'm going to pick it up so yes there you go. all oh right that's my. the end of my list <laughs> oh. oh my well let's see here um Well, I will round out my nonfiction with uh, Spare, which is Prince Harry's book, uh, read by Prince Harry, um, which, as we, when we were talking about, when we talked about The Crown, which is how we ended up with this, this particular book is how we got to this particular episode to begin with, um, you know, obviously when it comes to the quote-unquote truth you're going to you're going to get different versions from different people that were involved uh and that's not because maybe somebody is just outright lying trying to make themselves look good memory is a very fickle thing um and uh, you know uh and even more so when you've grown up in a situation like Harry did uh, where you don't really have much control over your own life uh, and, you know, try to grow up and to be your own person as much as Princess Diana tried to give her sons a quote unquote normal life. This, the, the idea of what we would consider normal was never going to exist for the world whether they you know whether they like it or not it's just the the institution has built up in a way that it's just it's insane uh so um so obviously you know you got to take some of what harry says with a grain of salt um because he's coming at mm -hmm. this from someone who has been emotionally and physically hurt 
by people that should have had his back. Um, you know, he he went through uh, very formative years of his life with uh, a lot of turmoil and tragedy. So that's going to affect uh, how you look back at things and you know decisions you make and the way you interpret interactions with people. You know, especially you know when you're going through things like grief, heavy grief is going to cloud your perception of things. So you have to remember that when reading it. But that being said, he does corroborate a lot of stuff that we have heard and been told right. by either other royals or people that have been inside the system, you know, either people that have worked at Kensington Palace, you know, or whatever, uh, you know, friends of the royals, uh, you know, people of the press, obviously the, the British press is, bleh. uh, they make our press almost look like angels, uh, sometimes, but, <laughs> um, so at the same time, hearing it's kind of from straight out of the mouth of someone who was smack dab in the middle of it, it's hard. It is mm-hmm. hard to listen to, and it just make it, it makes me feel so bad for him. Um, and it makes me feel sad for the people around him, even the people that were instigators in some of these things, you know, it's like, you know, Harry, I think really could be very bitter and it's obviously he's hurt. And that's not just something you get over with, go it over. Um, you know, those are emotional scars that he's probably going to carry for the rest of his life, but he doesn't come off as like super bitter. He's just upset that, this thing that he was born into and had no choice had so had such a strong effect on the way that he grew up Mm -hmm. and how it's affected the people he cares for. And he can see how they, you know, if they weren't inside this system of, royalty and everything all the stuff that comes with it um that the these people his family members would probably be very different people Mm -hmm. um so um but you know uh, i give him kudos again he recognizes where he had screwed up you know he had substance issues with alcohol and drugs um you know, obviously he's made some just dumb teenage decisions that got public, mm-hmm. like wearing the goose stepper uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, uh, you know, he doesn't try to like excuse any of that. He rec- you know, he recognizes where he has screwed up, um, both publicly and privately. Um, it's very fun listening when he meets Megan and talks about their courtship. <laughs> so, <laughs> how you know being all Twitter pated, uh, uh, you know, affect affected him. Um, you know, and uh, it, the this book is a couple years old, so it leads up until uh about the start of the pandemic. 
Uh, so it talks about how they, you know, realize they could, they could see the writing on the wall with the lockdowns and realize that if they were going to get the hell out of England, they needed to get the hell out of England and fast. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise they were going to be locked down inside the bubble and they did not want to be locked inside that bubble. Right. Yeah. Uh, So uh, you know how they they went to Canada first, and they thought they found someplace remote, and then ended up getting discovered. So they end up going. If you watch their, um, I can't remember if it's the Oprah interview or the yeah, documentary. I think, I think they, it might have been Oprah interview where they yeah. did the tour. I could be wrong though. Yeah, where they ended up uh, when they first got to California, uh, Tyler Perry offered them a, a place to stay. Uh, uh-huh. so um but yeah it, it it leads up until um i think right before lilibet is born or right after lilibet is born so um but um but yeah you know if you're yeah uh if you're like me and kind of obsessed with everything royal <laughs> <laughs> uh and also because harry and i are you know harry and i are about the same age uh so you know i can i can you know you know when he goes through things at certain ages i'm like oh i remember being that age because it was the same time period you know i remember what you know like kids our age were into and you know what was popular and what yeah. you know stuff was like so to a certain point obviously because uh, again american british mm-hmm. even that's you know there's a difference there but um as 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 uh as eddie izzard once said you know about america and england united by a common language and separated by a lot of water uh, mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> uh so yeah there's a spare by prince harry um and then i wax poetic about this after when giving my uh uh not galaxy con would have been cincinnati cincinnati comic expo uh recap uh but this is one that i kind of like pick up and read like once a year uh, just because you know, I get stuff out of it every time I read it. But every tool is a hammer by Adam Savage. Um, so, um, you know, also I, to be read list with the spare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and there's an audiobook version of that which Adam reads. Oh, cool. Cha- Chauncey did the audio version. Obviously, I have the actual physical version which Adam signed for me. Oh, cool. Uh, cool, cool. When I finally, when I finally was able to get around to getting my own physical copy, although I, I kept my notes. It's really funny because uh, one of the last times I was at my library and I wasn't going straight to like just the pickup shelf, but actually went to browse the racks uh-huh. to, to see, you know, what they had that might be interesting. They had Adam's book set out on display, like to showcase it in that particular section of like the, like the self-help type section mm-hmm. uh so i was like hi my library knows this is a good book that people should read so but yeah and i'm pretty sure that's the version that's the copy that i checked out you know 
all those years ago. And because it was not my copy, I had to draw my notes on paper. Uh, And then when I finally got my own copy, I was able to go and like highlight stuff and write and scribble and all sorts of things. But yeah, and I, but I'd taken my pieces of notebook paper that had the notes with my own now personal copy when I had Adam sign it. And, you know, he was like, thank you for buying the book. And I was like, yeah, I had to, because at first I got it from the library and there was so much that I got out of it that I had to write it on paper. And he's like, that's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I had to get my own copy so I could transfer my notes and highlights and stuff (laughs) into my own copy. (laughs) So, but you know, even doing that, I kept coming across stuff. Um, so it's just one of those, one of those books that it's just like, you know, if you like his personality anyway, oh, yeah. you know, Mythbusters, or if you watch, you know, his, his tested stuff on, on YouTube, you know, he's, he's a big old nerd, just like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> so that's the rest of my nonfiction. Cool. You want to go into your fiction at all, or do you want to? Well, you can finish up and then. Okay. Well, my last section, it's funny because I, I, when I was listing all these out, I'm like, I need to like split these up because it just looks like a jumble of whatever. So my last section of books are books that I've either read on ebook or actual physical book. Because in my, because in my head, I've like separated audiobooks and everything else. Um, and ebook, I, I gotta say, is just easier for me because I'm usually juggling something. And, uh, if I, <laughs> if I sit down with a, with a physical book, that's a signal to the world and not just my children, but they definitely are involved or included in that. It's a signal to everybody of like, she sat down, go bugger about something. <laughs> yeah. So, uh-huh. even, even at work when I'm on my lunch break, it, it doesn't happen often, but, um, if I'm on, if I get an hour lunch when I work the longer days. If I have a book that I'm reading, somebody will want to come in and talk to me. And I'm like, and it'll be about something really dumb. And I'm like, look, I like you. I like working with you. But this is my lunch break. So shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Tea time. Book yeah. in front. What's that university like, You would think for? working at a library, <laughs> that would just be like the default. Usually, usually Do not is. disturb. Yeah. <laughs> One or two people who are just like, here, I'm going to chat can't, with you. Can't take a hint, apparently. Yeah, we've got some chatty Cathy's at my work. I love, I love my coworkers. They are, they, are, they. Are, I work with some really, really cool people. Some of them just happen to be a little want to come and talk quirks, and mm. I'm like, hey. Anyway, so um, this first one that's here is called "Once More Upon a Time" by Roshani Roshani Chokshi. I know I'm not pronouncing that correct but she's written a lot of she's written lots of books for adults teens kids everything in between lots of lot she writes fantasy this one is sort of a fairy tale i want to say it's a fairy tale retelling but it's a it's a sort of you take fairy tale elements mash them all together and it turns into something really cool so this one it starts off you kind of feel like oh this is going to be a retelling of the 12 dancing princesses well yes and no um because it's sort of the aftermath of that story, you know, when, the, when you know the 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 boy find or you know whoever the hero of the story finds out where the where the girls have been going, and 
he gets to marry one of well, this is about one of her older sisters and uh, her name is Imelda and she marries a, a, a young Lord Lane who he tried to find out where the princesses were going and he, and he failed but they've kind of liked each other for a long time and then by after after the whole ordeal of, of the Twelve Dancing Princesses story he gets up the gumption like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna ask to marry her and so they get married and they are given um a, a, a realm in the kingdom and it is called love's hope now i'm now i'm blanking i was so the 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 name of it has it has love in the title basically the king and queen of this of this little realm they um the, the realm will, uh, will always prosper as long as those who rule over it are madly in love with each other and these two are so it works well, listen, this is all before the prologue ends. Well, poor Imelda, she gets sick, like like deathly ill, and Ambrose is out of his mind with worry, and he's like, I will do anything to save my wife. And as we all know in fairy tales, that is never a good thing to say. Oh, magic comes with a price, dearie! Oh, magic comes with a uh-huh. price, dearie. So, yes, yeah, so a witch, a, 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 a witch shows up and says, I will save your wife, um, and you said you'll uh, you'll you'll give anything. Like and he's like, Yes, anything. And she says, Okay, you have to give you two will not be in love with each other. And and he's like, Well, I mean, I made her fall in love with me once, I can do it again. Um, uh, but the but the thing is, if ever the king and queen of this realm fall out of love, after a year and a day, they will no longer be king and queen and it will the, the realm will go to someone else, or it will just sit there and be abandoned and so so chapter one starts off it's been a year and and so the next day that's it and they have not been in love with each other for a year and and it's kind of a dual point of view so it goes back between imelda and ambrose and they like like she complains about these dumb things that he does she he complains about dumb things she does very you know married couple Kind of more in a in a bit of a mean spirited way because they're just they're just done. So they have to go. They're going to this. They're going to one more royal function as as husband and wife. And then after that, I mean, they're just going to say they're husband and wife, and then they're just going to be done. And they're going to be basically divorced. And it's a tragedy and everything. But they're like, nah, well, it just you know whatever. And 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 they like kind of know that they used to love each other, but they don't. And it's all this kind of this whole thing. Well, the witch shows up again, or might be a different witch, I can't remember. Um, and she says, Oh, well, you know, if you go to this if you go if you go steal this potion from um I think it's her sister who is now a queen of another realm, if you do this I might be able to help you get your get your marriage back together and get things but you have to go as husband and wife and you have to you know, make sure everybody still thinks you're married, even though you kind of are on, on the way out and everything. So they go on this journey to, 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 and and this queen, this queen is going to be at this, at the same royal function that you're going to. So you'll be able to steal it from her there. So all, so they go along and as, and as fairy tales go, shenanigans ensue. There is mm-hmm. the badger <laughs> who, who, claims that he's under a spell and he has to eat this certain apple from this certain orchard and really he and you know he 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 needs it um but then he knocks out ambrose while he's helping him 
and the badger takes on Ambrose's form and tries to, you know, and he doesn't realize that these two really aren't in love. So he like tries to be all lovey dovey with Amelba, and she's like, "No, I know you're not my husband because he would never do this." <laughs> and, and the poor badger is like, "What did what happened? Where did I go wrong?" <laughs> so it's actually kind of funny, um, but like things are like, and then they they go they go they have to stop in an inn, and and of course there's only one. There's only the only room that's there has one bed and mm-hmm. it's very awkward, but then they're kind of like falling in love with each other again and it's very, you know, organic. And then by the end, they do like steal the potion and they're like, Oh, we gotta give this to to the witch and then, you know, oh oh, I guess we are we're 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 splitting up and we're not gonna be king and queen of our realm anymore. And they're like, But wait, I actually kind of fell back in love with you. So so there's so it, it it's very much, you know, fairy tale fairy tale homage and with, with you know the whole love story and everything and it's funny and it's sweet and i could like see this as maybe if they ever did another proper season of once upon a time <laughs> mm-hmm. throw something like this in there that would that it would not be out of place so i really mm-hmm. enjoyed it it was really sweet and kind of scratched that that uh, fairy tale itch and honestly i found this one because i was i don't know you get you kind of get in a reading slump after a while. Like you've like read and read and read. And all of a sudden you're like, I know I've got a lot of books I could be reading, but none of them are really calling out to me as it were. Mm-hmm. So I just, this is another one. I just was on Libby and I'm like just scrolling through. I'm like, I don't know, pick something. And this is one of them. Like I picked a whole bunch and I tried them out. And none of them really did it, but this is one that, that did. So I, I feel like, this one it got it got me out of the out of the slump for a little bit, which was good. So that there's high high praise there. Um, so again, that's once more upon a time by Roshana Chokshi. I can never say her name properly, but she's 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 good. She's a fun one. Um, then my next one. Now this one uh, is Otter by Catherine Applegate. Um, same author who did um, the one and only Ivan and subsequent mm-hmm. ones. Um, this one has, so this one, we've had another monster hold list, although I think one of the school districts, or one of the schools assigned it as, as reading for one of the grades, so we had a hard time getting hold of it. Also, one of our um, kids' book clubs was reading it, so it was just like everybody wanted to read it. But the good news about this one is, this one is a novel in verse which is you'll see these novels that are written as a sequence of poet of poems. So instead of chapters, mm-hmm. it's poems. Um, right. Kind of like the crossover by Kwame Alexander. Yes. There's that one. Or there's also, um, Oh shoot. What's it called? Uh, it, inside out and back again by. Mm-hmm. By. Um, anyway. I think so, so yeah. Yeah. That one. Um, so, so this one is, about uh, an otter whose name is Otter, <laughs> uh, and this is about one. She she is rescued. She um she ends up being a rescue otter from the Monterey Bay Aquarium in California. Oh, and know. it's it's basically so she like so she's out in the wild and you know it, it's like poems about her living in the wild and like oh she was with her mother as a baby or you know as a, as a pup but then her mother. I can't remember if what happened to her mom, but it was very tragic and very sad. 
like eaten by a shark or something. And there's also one. There's also some poems from the point of view of the shark that is hunting these poor otters uh, in, in the ocean. But um, but then like she ends up lost on the beach. I think after a storm or something. And and then she talks. You know, then she's in like the aquarium and. You know the humans are talking to her, and they name her because she because she she's, that goes back and forth a couple times. Anyway, it's a really fast read, so you'll you and it's for it's it's considered a middle grade novel, which is like you know third, fourth, fifth, maybe even sixth grade, that that sort of age group. But it's a cute book if you like otters. I like otters, so this is I love a otters. Book. Me too. So so the title is Odder, so it's O D D E R by Catherine Applegate. But if you search that, you'll you'll find it, because um, so yeah, so that one that was is a fast read. I read it in about a day, less than a day, like a couple hours. So if you're if you're one that's like, oh, I just want something quick, that's always a good one. And and novels in verse are becoming more and more um, popular, and there's some really good ones all over the place. So just you, you can find you can find some good ones out there. Um, and let's see, I'm going to leave off the next two, because the next one is actually a series that needs a little bit of explanation. So, Rachel, if you want to read or go over a couple more of yours. Oh, okay. So, uh, so uh, slowly dig again to my collection of Doctor Who related books. Mm-hmm. I have so much Doctor Who reading material. I can't fit it all on one shelf. <laughs> yeah, that's like I have my right. books sorted by like kind of either type or IP in some cases because like I have a lot of like Marvel stuff. Obviously, I've got like Good Omens plus all the fringe stuff with it, so I've got like all my Neil Gaiman together. Mm-hmm. But Doctor Makes Who, sense. I have so much that it takes up an entire shelf and then some <laughs> so <laughs> so that being said one that i have bothered to pick up and read all the way through is doctor who meets scratch man which is written by tom baker oh that's a good um, one so that it's is a, a good fourth one. doctor um and sarah jane and harry uh adventure and um, you know, it's if you know if you're a fan of the Fourth Doctor, you're absolutely gonna hear Tom Baker's voice in oh, your head yes. while you're reading this. But this whole idea of the Doctor, Sarah Jane, and Harry end up in this town that's seemingly in the middle of nowhere, and people are being attacked by scarecrows. Mm-hmm. But the scarecrows are not like necessarily look like your typical scarecrows. <laughs> Uh, they they tend to be like misshapen and using other whatever materials are nearby, not just straw and like you know a a, a flannel shirt and a pair of pants, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. you know, shirt and a hat, pair of pants. Yeah, I think of like the the scarecrow and the wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah. Um. Uh. So of course you know the the doctor and his companions have to end up in the middle of it. Um, and by no surprise, the master also gets involved, uh, <laughs> at one point, uh, there's some other recognizable, um, 
uh, foes, uh, like some Cybermen. Um, but, uh, you know, I won't necessarily give you the, uh, the, the spoil, you know, what exactly is going on, but, uh, if you, depending on how you interpret the Doctor Who episode, uh, I believe it's the Beast Below, Mm -hmm. Uh, you will find out that that's not the first time that the doctor has supposedly encountered the devil. So, (laughs) or the or the Satan pit. Yeah, 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 the Satan pit. Sorry, beast below is the space whales. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, the Satan pit. So, uh, so much Doctor Who. 60 years of stuff to Uh, keep in my brain it's so hard easily Uh, easily confused yes because beast below can be considered you could construe yes devil Uh with a a title like that you 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 didn't know the premise exactly Uh, yeah so oh so much doctor who Mm -hmm. uh so but yeah uh yeah obviously yeah we're always um you know, with like big finish and then some of these novels, you know, these novels and, and stuff uh, in the comic books, you know, we talk about whether, you know, the person gets the doctor and you have to kind of like know the show to understand what that means. You know, mm-hmm. you expect a doctor to act and sound a certain way, even in the written word. Um, oh. And if anybody's going to get the fourth doctor, it's right. Tom Baker. So... Yeah. But it's like they gave him the opportunity to just be like, "Here you go, let her rip. you know, <laughs> let her rip," and that's exactly what he did. And it's 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 uh, you know, it's it's scary. It's a bit scary because it being, uh-huh. you know, the the rating system doesn't really apply on t- like it does on TV. Uh-huh. Uh, so you know, it gets it gets a little gruesome in some spots. Um, but you know it's it's a fun it's a fun read especially because it's it's written by by tom Mm -hmm. um and then um my other one is uh it's an audible original so you can only get it through through audible um but it is a a full cast audio you know whatever you want to call it full cast audio you want to call it you know graphic audio whatever um, I, think, I think graphic audio is like a brand. Graphic audio, I'm yeah. Calling it that, but yeah, full cast audio. Yeah, um, but it's like I said, it's only available on Audible. But it's Third Eye, and it's written yes. and stars Felicia Day. Oh, it is so good. Will Wheaton, so it's set, Nathan Fillion. Yeah. Oh. It's set in modern. It's set essentially, you know, kind of modern day San Francisco, where magic exists alongside. Mm-hmm non-magical people normies we would be considered normies um and there's this girl named laurel and there's a prophecy that she was supposed to be the chosen one and she was supposed to vanquish the great evil tybus in this epic battle except laurel loses Mm -hmm. so now we're years after laurel's defeat and tybus is in control of everything magical and he uh so any supernatural creatures live under his rule 
He has stripped away magical, the magical abilities of anyone that's refused to bow to him. Um, and everyone hates Laurel. <laughs> she is, and she, yes, they hate her, but not so as much as she hates herself. <laughs> For letting everyone down and not defeating Tybus. Uh, and she owns this uh, shop called Third Eye that uh, sells like incense and tarot card decks and stuff like that. It's San Francisco, of course. Um, but she lives in a, in a, a the upstairs of the building uh, houses uh, kind of apartments uh or rooms and she lives in one and then she's got two ra- two roommates Sybil a fairy who if um uh what's what's uh crap what's the her fate uh Lor- Lauren Catherine Tate's character uh the schoolgirl oh. Lauren I think that's her name yeah. uh something like that uh, where she's, you know, she's got that very Cockney accent, and she, you know, she's mm-hmm. sort of like, I'm not bothered, you know, just <laughs> very, very sassy. This is mm-hmm. Sybil. If if Laurel, Lauren was a, a, a fairy, this would be Sybil. Um, and who is also very horny. Um, uh-huh. And then yeah. Frank was a vampire, but he's not a full vampire, so he can go out in the sun if he wears a hat and very strong sunscreen he makes himself. And he he gets his blood by working at the local morgue. Of course, as one would to stay under the radar. And Frank and Sybil really hate each other. Uh, So, uh, but one day, yeah, one day this girl named Kate, who's supposed to be a normie, shows up and knows a whole lot about Laurel and the magical world than she should. And so it figures out that, that they've got to figure out how Kate knows what she knows. Um, and uh, at the same time, the annual shaming ceremony is coming up. So on the anniversary of her defeat, everyone in the magical realm gets together. And Tybus goes through the act of shaming Laurel in front of everybody. And... <laughs> And like Laurel doesn't get along well with her mother because her mother was supposed to be the one trains her in magic and uh, all this all this uh, stuff. But there, it's an all star cast. Like I said, it's it's Felicia Day. She plays uh, Laurel. Um, Neil Gaiman narrates, so there is a narration, but Neil Gaiman narrates, and there, there's some fourth wall breaking on behalf of Neil Gaiman, which is quite funny. Um, there's some very recognizable voices in there. Um, you know, some only make short appearances, but, um, uh, you know, you definitely like, ah, I know that, I know that voice. Um, although you might be surprised, uh, cause I, yeah, cause Will Wheaton's in it. He's, he's another one that's in it. Uh, Weird Al makes his appearance. <laughs> <laughs> one point a couple of point a couple of times I mean, his voice is very distinct um um i i did not i was not necessarily paying attention to like the cast list i will so that you don't go through the same thing i did um frank that is not Pat oswald 
who I thought that that was the entire time. That is Sean Astin. Mm-hmm. Apparently, oh, Sean Astin sounds like Patton Oswalt. Like Pat yeah. So the entire time I thought that was Patton Oswalt, and that's a part that certainly Patton Oswalt could do. Could do. Like it's totally right up his alley. But no, it is Sean mm-hmm. Astin. So apparently, Sean Astin, at whatever age he is now, now sounds like Patton Oswalt. So don't be well, thinking. I mean, I did see a picture of, of him with his wife and his daughter, the little girl who was at the end of Return of the King, who yep. plays Sam's little girl. Now she 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 has graduated college. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. There you go. <laughs> yep. We're all getting older, folks. It sucks. Yeah, we are. I just didn't, I did not know that Sean Astin's voice had changed that much with age. So. <laughs> but it, it's, it's really good. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's really fun. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it goes some very unexpected directions. <laughs> yeah. So, and they kind uh, of leave it open so if they decide to do another one, they can. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, <laughs> Which I'm, that's, fingers crossed, I'm hoping because I really enjoy yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, there's some misdirection. There's some things where it seems like they're going to go and use a particular trope, but then they're like, ah, ha, 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 will you? So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. So if you've got Audible, you can you can go get that go get that one. It's just it's I mean, and and it pulls a lot from fantasy and mythology, so that you're gonna recognize a lot of creatures and stuff. You know, vampires, werewolves, fairies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like the the uh, was it the Baba Ganook? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, hell. <laughs> you know, the devil, Beelzebub. Um, so, uh, you know, gnomes, yeah, it, it, so, yeah, I mean, Felicia, again, she's a huge nerd like the rest of us, so mm-hmm. she knows what she's talking about, especially, it especially helps when you have friends like Neil Gaiman to play in your sandbox as well, <laughs> so, and Neil's, Neil's narration is just like, uh, uh I love him narrating anyway, but he just, he obviously is uh, having fun, fun with this. So <laughs> I'm totally, <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope that, I hope that there's a sequel because I would, I would totally be down for yes some of this, you know, and the fact that it said San Francisco and I've been to San Francisco several times. So when they talk about certain places, I'm like, I know where they're talking about. Mm-hmm. I've been there, uh-huh. or it's like I know what place you're trying to cover up, but it's mm-hmm. not that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got a place like San Francisco where it's kind of just wild to begin with, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's always been kind of a unique city. <laughs> So, but yeah, Felicia Day, Third Eye, full cast audio. There, I mean, there is a book too if you just want to read the book. But why do that when you can get, you know, yeah, this awesome full audio with 
Felicia and Sean Aston and Neil Gaiman and other people. So yeah. that's it. Okay. Oh, then I'll go ahead. Did you want to do your in progress ones or? Nah. Okay. All right. Well, I'll round mine out. Um. So the there'll be links one... in the show notes. Okay. Links in the show notes. So my next few, actually, one is a two. Well, two books in a series. I'm hoping a third comes out because dang, this series was good. And then one that I just stumbled on the other day and just totally fell in love with. But anyway, so this, so these, so these next two are part of the Hex series, H-E-X, by Jessica Clare. They are, the first one is called Go Hex Yourself, and the other one is called What the Hex, which I'm like, okay, I'm also, I'm already intrigued by these titles. Well, and it gets even better. So the first one, Go Hex Yourself, um, is about, it start, so they, these are kind of like urban fantasy paranormal, so it takes place in, you know, our, you know, present day, whatever, but there's, you know, paranormal sort of thing. So the, the protagonist of this, of, of Go Hex Yourself, is a lady, there's a girl named uh, Regina Johnson. She goes by Reggie, because she hates Regina, which I kind of can't, well, it's, depends on how you use it. Can't blame her. But anyway, she is, uh, she answers an ad for a, in the paper for a job, because she's having a hard time keeping the job down, because her parents are leeches like any time that she has a little bit of money they come in and they're like oh can you pay our bills can you do this can you do that she basically is the um she she is the adult in the family anyway so so that that is her that is that is her biggest challenge she answers an ad in the paper for uh someone to for the ad she thinks someone the ad asks for someone who's good at spellcraft well, in this world, there is a card game called Spellcraft the Magic Game, which you can tell is a, is a you know, copyright-friendly version of Magic the Gathering. <laughs> and she's like, and, and like her last job was to do it like a, at a game shop or something. She's like, oh, okay, well, I can do this. So she goes to answer the ad, and it's at this old, very, very, very older-than-Victorian house with this sweet little old lady and her nephew that lived that they live there and and it basically turns out that she is being a personal assistant but she's actually applying for to be a witch's familiar because in this world there are witches and then there are their familiars who are basically apprentice witches but the witches can keep a familiar for centuries basically and never let the familiar become anyway there's a whole shtick there so, so Reggie thinks that, oh, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm hired to, to help this, this poor old dear who's kind of senile and she thinks she's a witch, but I'll just go along with it. The pay is very good because she is like making pay enough money that she could like totally tell her parents to F off. This is F you money and totally get rid of them because right now she is like living on the charity of, of friends and, and others who are really trying to help her out and she cannot get out from under this. So, um, but it turns out Reggie actually has an affinity for magic, like actual magic, not just the card game. <laughs> and after a while, her nephew, who was like a, a complete curmudgeon, oh no, the, the, late, the, the old lady's nephew, I should say, I'm getting ahead of myself, he's a complete curmudgeon, 
he doesn't think that his aunt needs to hire this girl and that he and but the but they but the nephew and the old lady they are both you know ancient magic like like the old lady her she has been around since the roman empire in fact her her nephew is named he he goes by ben but his real name is caliban because and he goes by ben because he hates that name and and the magic the witches in this world will, will be called upon to do magic for like companies and i mean like little curses about like oh i'm gonna curse my 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 financial competitors and it's not anything big or like really but it's like oh like your stock is gonna fall or this is gonna happen or you know some some or your best your best employee is gonna quit or or stuff like that so it's it's like corporate corporate spellcraft i guess it's kind of funny um so he he's like you know you don't need this my aunt doesn't need this familiar she has no magic like why are you even here but the aunt is just totally it you know, just just loves reggie eventually reggie figures out that oh what magic exists you're a wizard harry uh, <laughs> and, and it's it's you know and then there's like and so she you know falls into this whole culture but she's actually a pretty talented familiar um and it turned and like and you know, there's there it, it kind of has a more Dresden file Dresden Files vibe if Dresden Files was a romantic comedy. Um so it's so so you know crap happens, bad guys show up, try to try to get the aunt because she has enemies, and the, the nephew and Reggie, they kind of have to like there there's this whole thing about you know, a bond of a wit of a witch and they're familiar. Well, well, Reggie has to give her bond to Ben, um, which is actually kind of a bad thing because she already said she was going to give it to the aunt and all these other things. But it turns out the aunt was kind of being a cheeky little matchmaker, and she really wanted her nephew to. Because her nephew hmm. is, you know, how it, is it that surprising? It's it's that sort of thing. It's funny. It's cute, yep. and but you know, there's also like actual stakes in it, and magic is involved, and there's this whole sort of underground culture of of magic and witches and warlocks and and things like that. And they have their own laws and their governing body and and all these other things. And there's you know a, a wait list of people who are waiting to become familiars which is what the next book is about in, in What the Hex, which I actually liked a little bit better than Go Hex Yourself, which I liked. Go Hex Yourself was great. But then there's What the Hex. And this one focuses on... Okay, I gotta remember her name. Uh, and this one just came out last year. Um, is is the, the female main character is Penny. And then... And she is on a wait list to be a familiar. And her parents are just are are, are just as bad as, as Reggie's, except in a different way, because her parents are both familiars to other witches. And those witches, like they the, the, the familiars just have to stay with the witches all the time. Like they can't come and be a family. They don't like like her parents are not her parents. Now obviously Penny is an adult. She is a grown woman, she has a job and all this. But her parents like, 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 Penny takes care of the house. She makes sure the laundry gets made, that the dishes are done, that all these things, that the, the house is taken care of. So she's kind of their live-in servant, and you know, barely, and they they barely acknowledge her. But she's like, oh, it's okay. I don't have a witch yet, and this is so important, and blah blah. blah. So she's very much that 
I'm fine. It's okay. She probably could have. She probably could have uh, benefited from from reading Dying of Politeness. If we're being honest here. Well, the so so uh, so then the, the the male main character is his name is Willem, and he is a, he's a warlock, but he is under sanctions from like the, the the wizard witch's council because of of he was framed for a crime from his old mentor because his because he left his old mentor because his old mentor was in some bad bad stuff to the point like he's killing familiars but they don't have proof of it and Willem only got out of it because of some very dumb luck. Ooh, so he got away. Yeah. But but he but he's under sanctions. He can't have a familiar and he can't use magic except the very basic stuff and he is just he he's he's got a few more years on his probation but he's like just dying cuz he is trying so hard to yeah. Anyway, so he uh so so he is like just having the the, the worst time of it. Well, he and Ben are friends, so Ben and Reggie decide because they're they're in this, and they're they decide. Well, we need we need Penny to work with Willem, because Willem needs a familiar. Now we know it's illegal, and we're not going to. And if you ask, if if, if we're asked about this, we're going to deny it because it's it's execution levels of, of of punishment if you if you're caught doing this. Um, so and it's very much sort of the grumpy sunshine sort of trope where one is very very grumpy and one is just because Penny is just adorable, but she also needs to kind of deal with her own crap. So Penny unofficially becomes Willem's familiar, but it's all on the down low, and they you know and they start like doing magic and trying to figure out certain things like like what is his old mentor up to? How can they? prove that he's actually doing the things that he's been doing to familiars and you know could he can he clear his name and then they sort of fall in love over time and it's very sweet and it's like it's it's sort of like it's the the romance is happening as they are unraveling the case and then they and then the mentor figures out what's going on and he you know he mucks things up and everything but i'm just like oh but these two are just so freaking adorable and I cannot wait for the next book because I'm like, I'm really hoping there's a third book in this series <laughs> because I've just really enjoyed these these first two. But yeah, Willem and Penny are the best. They're just lovely. Just yay. Um, and then so so that's the Hex series by Jessica Clare. And I need to look and look up and see what else she's written. I think. I think this. I think the. Uh, I think she's uses a different name for other series. I'd have to look into that again because I can't remember off the top of my head. But I like those two. And then the last one I have in here, I actually found a couple days ago on Kindle Unlimited, no, no less. And okay, I know there is a trope in romance called age gap romance, and that's like mm-hmm. when an older, you know, the older. There's an old one of the couple is older, one of the other couple is younger. Some people get squicked out by it because they think, "Ooh, it's you know predatory," which it can be. I'm not going to say it won't. So you got to be careful with it and just kind of know. But there are also some that can be really, really well done. And I just kind of fell down a rabbit hole the other day while I was I was at work and the and the things were slow and I was just kind of poking around and also we're, we're doing some. Uh, some genre study stuff at work. So just, you know, to help us, you know, we all kind of talk about different genres and to be better at, at reader's advisory and find 
find stuff for patrons and they look game free for what they want. Well, this one I found, and it is, uh, so it, it's called She Was Made For Me by Jen Morris. And um, so it is this, yeah, so this girl who's in mid to late 20s, if I'm remembering correctly. I need to grab the synopsis here, right here. Um, and she is super stinking workaholic. Like she, she, she's from New York. But she lives in Silicon Valley, and basically, she doesn't she she doesn't eat nor sleep. She just works. Like her, like the first chapter where you meet her, she is her her boss comes in with coffee for both of them, and Violet is the the, the girl's name. She's sitting on the floor looking at a chart, uh, like she she's like assist, uh, and she's an assistant to the program to the project manager. So she's this like woman's PA. Um, she's not an actual project manager, but she is just like, no, I've got to do this. And the, and the lady who's the actual program manager is like, look, you've got to go home. You've got to sleep. you got to, like, I, I appreciate your work ethic, but holy cow. But then the, the, her boss gives her some bad news, like there were budget cuts and they really had to work on, and she really wanted Violet to stay, but they had to let her go. So Violet is just in a, panic mode like what do i even do work has been my life and you find out that her her dad is like wanted to be a high-powered lawyer because he's a high-powered lawyer but she just couldn't hack it in in law school because they okay i don't want to say she just couldn't hack it she actually had a panic attack during her debate class holy cow and then and just like getting up to talk in front of people just freaked her out and i'm like i don't blame you for for not majoring in that so meanwhile this man named kyle who is a, a, a former colleague of Violet's dad, and just a few years younger than her dad. Anyway, uh, he, you know, the, the dad calls Kyle and says, hey, because the dad is like working on some real estate stuff. He's like, hey, I've got this, this building I want you to come work on. Uh, like, you'll be the foreman and the contractor and, and all this stuff. And I've got a great program manager. And so Kyle is like in his 40s. And and then they and then and and he's like fine I'll come work for you but he like he lived in the city and he did all the high powered city life stuff and that that and like and that drove him you know to a mental breakdown so now he lives up in Maine and works on his cabin but then the, his friend said oh yeah come back and work and work for me so the first day back Kyle runs into this this pretty girl who he thinks is in her mid thirties and. And they get talking and everything, and they're going the same place. And it turns out that her dad, that she's Violet and Kyle, and she's the the, the program or the project manager for this remodeling. And Kyle is the foreman. Kyle is her dad's best friend, and that's his daughter. And he was like this close to asking her out. So it sounds like a on. really bad Hallmark movie. It kind of could be, you know, it, it, really, it, it kind of does have that Hallmark vibe to it. And maybe I was just in a really good mood for that kind of thing. But I really enjoyed it. I loved the writing. I loved, and it wasn't like, you know, ooh, we're going to be creepy. And here's this older guy who's creeping on this, this, this young kid. Cause it's like, no, it's not written that way at all. And you kind of have to continually remind yourself, like she's 20, 25, 26 and, but she, cause she acts like she's in her thirties. So it doesn't, so the, so the relationship isn't squeaky. The relationship isn't freaky. It's only freaky when they're like, 
wait, you're my dad's best friend and you're this much older and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I don't know. It was just one of those things like I need, like I, I, I wanted to try something a little different with, with my, my romance reading. And, and you notice that, yes, I read a lot of things that are, that have a love story to it. That's my thing. That's what I like. And more, I mean, and more often than not, it has a fantasy vibe to it, but there's also stuff that's straight up. And usually I don't do contemporary romance. Sometimes the contemporary romance, I'm just kind of like, oh, no, it's too realistic. I hate it. Uh, or, you know, it's, you know, the, the, the female main character is just way too girl boss and, you know, gonna, gonna cut the guy's balls off until she falls for him or something. I'm like, I can't stand that. I cannot stand that, that trope at all and violet in this book she kind of starts out that way but then people start telling her look you gotta you gotta chill out you cannot work 24 7 what is your social life what is your life outside work and she realizes oh i don't have one it's like but you need to find a work life (laughs) yes balance and she's the only one who thinks that, that what she's doing is a good thing so it's not like anybody's standing over like no 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 you gotta work well her dad kind of does, but she kind of, but it's more encouragement that she takes the wrong way. So, so there's also some really good character stuff in here and some, and it's just, I don't know. It was one of those, I was like, I found it while I was at the desk at work the other day and then I had to come home and I finished reading it. It's like, I found it and finished reading it in just a few hours. And I'm like, when is the last time that's happened? Is when I've done that. So I, that's why I threw it on here. So it's not really, you know, sci-fi fantasy or anything like that, but I liked it, so there we go. So hopefully, hopefully we got you, we gave you some ideas of some, maybe something good to read, or if you just want to venture out into something new, or I don't know. We 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 have quite the list here of, of stuff mm-hmm. that we've been going over, and and we've been we've been on here for quite some time too, so we probably need to wrap it up. Um, but, uh, so any of our listeners want to chime in on anything they've been reading or uh, anything, if you've read any of these books, want to comment on, uh, add, add your two cents or, you know, just add to our to be read list because heaven knows mine isn't long enough. Exactly. Said, I'm not even getting in. It's like, I've got two that are in progress. And like I said, I just picked up like two books uh-huh. that are like fun for reading for me that you know a couple of memoirs and then i picked up a couple more things that are going in the uh are yeah. my ever growing again taking up way more than one shelf on a on a yes bookshelf of books yeah. related to stuff for the the nonprofit. so it's like right. <laughs> just going and going but yes yeah, so so talk about your favorite books that you've read in the last, I don't know, two, three, four, five months. Yeah. Um, Plus all the ones that are on the, it's on the list. I, I can hear you now, Shalane. Yes, the Twisted Disney stuff is on my list. <laughs> Working on it. Yes. Uh, but yes, yeah, so send us feedback. That's what I'm getting at here. Our email address is 5 at gmail.com. You can also go to our website, which is the 5 and you can leave a comment there or go to our social media or Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and we'll read comments like left there like we do feedback. So that's awesome. And uh, you also find our show notes at our website. So all of these 
well, yes, they'll be linked in some capacity, whether it's on Amazon or Goodreads, so you can find what you're looking for. Um, you can also visit our merch shop and our Patreon if you uh, feel so inclined as to support the support the podcast in a financial way, which does help us keep this keep uh, our costs um, down and and such. So. Um, th- so that so that is always always appreciated. So thank you for that, and just thank you for listening and sending feedback and all those other fun things that we do as a podcast community and our audience. And we're just grateful that you all are out there. So yeah, hope you enjoyed our this this gushing over books. And I was good. I didn't even bring up the picture books this time. And say we didn't even talk about your husband's work, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> although right. it's been brought up before. <laughs> Let me plug this really quick. Yeah. Okay, it isn't out yet, but Jared got uh, by Amazon. He was he was one of the ones tapped to do their. They call it um, audiobook AI, but it's really a glorified voice to or text to text to voice. So he is in the process of getting all of the the Morgan Black series put up into um, audiobook, which will most likely be through Audible because it's an Amazon thing. Um, he's almost done with doing the first book, and then he's got to make some changes to the ebook, and it's a bit of a process. But it's like it's like in the the program is sort of in a beta stage. He just because he's got so many ratings and sales, which I'm like yes. So he's getting he's getting he's getting those put up in audio in audiobook. Hi Jared. We just and we're talking about your audiobooks. Yes. Um, the big thing remember if you buy the ebook, you get the audiobook. Yes. So if you bought yes. the so once the audiobook is live, if you have bought the ebook, the audiobook will only be two bucks. So nice. and it actually the voices because we've been testing them out. Um, the voices are actually pretty good. It's like I and, and like I said, I'm a big audiobook reader, so I'm listening. To them, I'm like, yeah, that isn't going to annoy me, or that sounds like it would be, you know, Morgan's voice. So anyway, so plug that real quick. Jared's books are amazing. They're awesome, and they're going to be an audiobook soon. Um, the first one is almost done, so that it's a bit of a process because you have to go through and make sure that it pronounces everything correctly and a bunch of other stuff. So anyway, so there's that. Thank you for the reminder because I was going to plug that and I forgot yeah. in the news. And then Lottie, Lottie came in to say hi. So we're almost done. <laughs> of course. All right. So anyway, hi, everybody. <laughs> we're almost done. Promise. You have to plug all the things. Plug all the things. So yeah, yeah. if I talk if I talk too much lovey dovey romance stuff, well there's some space pirates that you can Yeah, there you go. Go, yes. go dive into with Jared's work. First you take care of the lovey dovey side and the hubby takes care of the 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 space pointy slashy stuff. stuff. Yeah. Exactly. So so the long black by J.M. Andrewerden, if you are not familiar, that is that is the book. And yeah, uh, the the last name is very long, but you'll probably you'll probably notice it. Yeah, <laughs> there, or we can link to it. But yeah, the audiobook is not up yet. He is still finishing it up, but it will once he's done. It's it's going up, so it should be within the week. If you are interested in the audio version of that one. So anyway, so thanks for listening, peeps. And this was kind of a long one, but it was fun. Hey, yes. it's episode four fifty. Fifty exactly. True. This is true. Yeah. We need to we need to yammer on for as long as we can without mm-hmm. it being ridiculous. So, yeah. 
So, but yeah. It's a good thing today was a holiday for some people, so we got started a little earlier than we normally do. That is true. Yes. I was like, it's only, well, 8 o'clock here, but but the the call says it's been going on for almost three and a half hours, so. Yeah. Well, sorry about that. Yep. Guess said, we're going back to our roots. (laughs) Yes. You're going to, you you asked me to talk about books I've been reading recently, and I will be like, I will, it's, it's that whole Pick a gift where a scroll is just down yes. the hallway. There we go. Yes. Yep. That is that. And uh, with that, we shall sign off for this week. Yes, this is Chrissy saying goodnight from Salt Lake City. This is Holly from Wisconsin saying good evening. And this is Rachel in in and out Indiana. And I shall quote Pride and Prejudice. I declare, after all, there is no enjoyment like reading. How much sooner one tires of anything than of a book. When I have a house of my own, I shall be miserable if I have not an excellent library. Thank you, our five-ish fam, for joining us on this week's Geeky Journey. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Stay connected with us on our website, the5ishfangirls.com, and follow us on most social media with at 5ishfangirls. Plus, check out our nonprofit, Fangirls Give Back, to see how we're making a positive impact in our community. Until next time, stay nerdy and let the squee continue.